Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is Thursday, August 10th, 2023, and uh, this is Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, but it is not Tom Brenneman today. Again, I, I mentioned yesterday, and Trace talked about it too. Tom's on an indefinite leave here, and as soon as you know, or as soon as we know when he'll be back, you'll know as well. Uh, but this is Off the Bench. Paul Fritchner here filling in. Elliot Rearing is over to my left. Casey is over to my right. It's the three of us today. Reed is back in the United States, but he's not back in Hamilton. He will be back here in studio tomorrow. He'll be trading places with Elliot, who will not be here tomorrow, sadly. But we got two shows here to round out the week. We have Charlie Goldsmith coming up at 1030. We're going to talk Bengals training camp with him. We're going to talk uh, about the Reds. Heartbreaking loss for the Reds yesterday. We're not going to start with the Reds, though. We're going to start with a story from Casey from last night here in just a second. Uh, one of the wildest stories that Casey has ever texted us. This came in at about 1230 last night. You're going to hear that from Casey in a matter of moments, as John would say. But this is, uh, this is Off the Bench, and it's presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way every Monday through Friday, 10 A to 12. P. That's right, Casey. Uh, and we are, again, presented by UDF. We love UDF. Thank you to UDF for sponsoring us. If you want to download this show, you can do it in podcast form. We're available on all podcast platforms. This show, Chatterbox Reds, and the new shows that we're going to be launching very soon. So make sure you check all of that out on our podcast platforms. All right, guys. Before we get into the Reds, we're starting this show with what Casey texted us last night around midnight. This was a preposterous story. Casey, go ahead. Yeah, so... Alex and I are, are sleeping. Um, you know, we usually go to bed around like 10, 30, 11. And, uh, responsible adults. Responsibly. Um, and we wake up to the sound of our fire alarm going off. Okay. So if many of you don't know this, um, my wife... She currently has been dealing with a ACL injury, and she's still in her brace. She still has crutches. So I get up out of bed frantically, go searching through the house, making sure everything is okay before I, you know, just start to panic, right? Sure. Nothing is on fire. I don't see anything that would cause any smoke. And so I go to look at the fire alarm that's still going off and I'm just like already mad because it woke me up in the middle of the night and I go to take it off and, and rip it off, off the wall. You have to detach it, detach it from the wire and whatnot, unplug the batteries. Well, I take a closer look at the thing. It's also monitoring for carbon monoxide. And so I was like, oh, shit. Um, kids show. Kid friendly show. Well, I think, I think it's appropriate to, to yes. say it this time. Sure. Um, so I didn't get, I didn't fully look at the alarm to see which one was flashing. Didn't know if it was the carbon monoxide or the fire alarm. And 
I go look around the rest of my house. None of the other alarms are going off. And those alarms are connected to my ADT security system. And I had already set my security for the night. And I go up to look at them and I'm like, man, I, this just has to be an old alarm, but I got to know if these are working or not. There's a little test button on, on those, those fire alarms. And I go to test it and it triggers the entire ADT system. Sends out, <laughs> sends out notification to the fire station, police station. And for those of you that don't know, I have a don't disturb set on my phone at 1030. So I missed the phone call from ADT, which is just fantastic. So I frantically get on the phone with ADT and I'm like, hey, it was just an accident. I was just testing my system, forgot to, you know, turn it off, whatever. And they were able to stop the cops from coming, but they weren't able to stop the uh, fire station from coming because it's a CO2 <laughs> warning and they always just check so the fire station ends, ends up pulling in to my neighborhood waking up everyone in the neighborhood and they walk up and I, i'm just frantically putting on clothes because i'm in the middle of this phone call with adt while they're pulling up to my my house they live like the the fire station's right down the road from me so i'm just throwing on clothes I open up the door half naked and <laughs> ends up being these two women fire office fire firefighters and they're just asking me questions after questions like do I know who I am what's my address trying to figure out if you know I'm all there I'm half asleep frantic and it was just a wild night just very very wild ended up being okay Nothing else happened. I'm here. So thank God it wasn't actually carbon monoxide. <laughs> and it just happened to be a, a faulty fire alarm. But <laughs> it, it, uh, that all happened. This whole story happened within 10 minutes. That's the crazy part. It just boom, boom, boom. Decision after decision was just a wild one. And that's how I started uh, my, my night. Or if, ended if, my night. You, if it had been 945 and you had not been sitting at that desk, I would have been extremely concerned this morning. <laughs> I would have sent out the search party. I should have just done it for the bit. No, that wouldn't have been fun. That wouldn't have been good on my health. Elliot, how are you? I'm doing great, Paul. I'm doing phenomenal. Casey texted me that story last night. It was very funny. Not funny, but it was very funny. Oh, it was uh, objectively so, funny. Yeah, but other than that, it's great. Uh, I mean, not to get back to sports here, but my Reds fandom is in question right now. I, I'm dealing with a lot with the Reds. The Reds have gone on a colossal tank. So I don't know what's gonna I don't know what's gonna happen with the Reds, Bengals, Bengals. I'm starting to I'm starting Casey. You know what? I'm starting to get back into football season. The Reds kind of had been have been keeping me out of it. I'm back in football mode right now. I'm slowly getting back in football mode. I'm ready to give up on the Reds and just no. focus all on the Bengals. Come on, don't give up. I am. I, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to give up. That I'm is, a beaten down that boy. Ludicrous. Yesterday, yesterday was a uh, it was a long day in the office. So there's a TV down here that you can see uh, when we zoom out on the show. And when the Reds play a day game, we turn the game on that TV, and we're sitting here watching it. Things were going great until they weren't. And it was four to one Reds. Sam Wall comes in. Game's tied. Then the Reds lose. I don't know 
if I've ever seen you as dejected as you were yesterday, Elliot. I yeah, felt very bad. Yeah, I don't I mean it's 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 a tough it's a tough moment. I think it was like two weeks ago I said the Reds team has been playing this good for so long where it's like you have to believe that they're a real deal. At this point, they're they've now been playing so bad for so long where you have to believe they're frauds. And I don't think they're fraudulent. They've had a great year. They've had a phenomenal season. Like you look back, I know it's not about participation trophies, but you look back at this season, and you're like, we were projected 64 wins, we came out. All of our rookies exceeded expectations beyond our wildest dreams. We had a fun year. This is a season I will never forget ever. It's been one of my I no, I, in fact, it is my favorite season as a Reds fan, right? I, I, I think our future is our future is wide open right now. Anything can happen. I have hope. But as far as this season goes, I just think the Reds are too far away at this moment. And it's crazy to say because as Paul said yesterday, the NL Central is wide open. Wide open. The Reds could still win the NL Central. They could still make a postseason push. It can still happen. I just don't see it right now. There's nothing really when you watch the Reds night in and night out. There's not a whole lot that gives you a lot of hope. The way that they are playing, I mean, I said five days ago, six days ago, that if the Reds went anything less than 4-2 and two in their stretch against the Nationals and the Marlins, that I'd be disappointed they went 2-4. and four. Yeah, I mean, there's... I mean, I guess getting swept both times, both series, that would have been the worst case scenario, but Paul, it's they, terrible. They went one and they went one and one five. five yeah, oh, yeah, say. they did go one and five because I had that stat ready, assuming that they were going to win yesterday. Yeah, no, it yeah, was, that's right. They did go one and five. It was one and five. I'm not worried. I'm not, guys. It's going to be okay. They're two and a half games back. It's not like they're ten games back. They play the Pirates. It'll be all right. They're they're gonna. They're Casey gonna... did predict this, and he did still predict that they were gonna win the division. Yeah, I well, nine I game winning streak incoming. I mean, I don't think I don't know if they're gonna win the division. I looked at the Cubs schedule, man. I think they get a wild card spot for sure. I think they get in the playoffs, but the September schedule is just so easy, man. Like I can't see how they don't have a positive record in September. Let's just let's just get, get through there. August. Got to right? get there. Got to get through August. Uh, a little bit of news as well. <laughs> not to not to keep going on about news, but um, Trace did text uh, a couple minutes ago and said that uh, Trace is going to host tomorrow, and he is going to provide an update on Tom and some future plans going forward. So you can look forward to that tomorrow. Trace will be sitting up here. So this will be my last day up here, sitting at this desk today. I'll be back over there. Wouldn't want it any other way. I'll be back right. over there with my guy Casey tomorrow. And then Reed will be sitting over here. He'll be in the office tomorrow. Um, and Elliot, yeah, he's going to be off. He's going to be enjoying a three-day week, three-day weekend. <laughs> that's right. Well, it will be a three-day week, too, because of my Chicago plans this past week. Oh, weekend. that's right. So, yeah, I, I, Paul, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm going to miss your final show, your farewell show tomorrow. I'm not happy about that, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. We're going to go to Gina's today. We're going to go to Gina's today. I'll celebrate Paul's, uh, Paul's, Paul's last meal in style. That's the right. Best restaurant we know. That's right. Side salad, nothing better. That's right. No olives. That's right. What are you getting today? I might do your. I might do a Paul special today. I might get uh, just Alfredo. Paul just gets Alfredo. That's just all he gets. Just the sauce. Just the sauce. I guess he gets them on noodles, but that's what I'll be getting. All right. Solidarity. Uh, yeah. So yesterday, you're looking at this Reds team that you're thinking to yourself, okay. They're, they're, again, and this the same thing it felt like happened 
from a few nights ago where you're scoreboard watching with the Brewers and the Reds at the same time. And there was, what, a half hour, 45-minute stretch where the Reds were winning 4-1, to one, the Brewers were losing, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, the Reds are going to be a half game back. They got it. Things are looking good. They're looking up. Things are looking all right. And then about 45 minutes later, it goes from the Reds winning 4-1 to one and the Brewers in an early deficit to the Reds losing in heartbreaking fashion. And then what, an hour, two hours later, the Brewers walk off the Rockies. They win. So now instead of a half game back like it looked like maybe was going to happen, now the Reds are two and a half back. Yeah, it's a brutal swing. Need it's, an off day today. Need an needed off day. Needed an off day today. I mean, needed an off. Nick Kirby needs an off day. Reds need an off day. The, today, no baseball today for the Cincinnati Reds is about the best thing that could happen for the fan base, for the people that cover the team, for the team. Everybody needs an off day. Everybody's got to regroup because things right now are as poor as they have been all season. And that goes back even to the very beginning of the season when the Reds got swept by the Pirates. Because at least at that point in the season, there wasn't a lot of hope. Now you at least have hope, and it's getting snatched away from you. Dissension in the fan base, everything like that, you get frustrated. And it's not, it's not a good sight. So you're to a point in the season now where you're about a month and a half left in the year. The Bengals are less than 48 hours away from playing their first preseason game. And the Reds are at a really critical spot in the season. I've been saying that for a week. But now it's Thursday. And you look at where the Reds were last Tuesday, a game and a half up after beating the Cubs, to where they are now two and a half back of the Brewers. Wild swing. The season is completely flipped in a span of eight to nine days. Yeah, and there's there's still good aspects of this team, right? Graham Ashcraft, I think his last eight starts have pretty much all been quality, except for one, he, he went five and a third instead of the full six. Every other start in the past eight starts, he's been the be one of the best pitchers in the National League, truly. Um, that part is getting a lot better, Graham Ashcraft. We're going to get Hunter Green back here in a little bit. So if you can hold the line, if we can try to hold the line until until August 20th, that would be ideal. But I just don't think it's right now. It just doesn't look like it's possible. I, the bullpen is dead. The bullpen is taxed. I've been saying it all season where I, I don't think these guys are great pitchers. Um, granted, they've pitched great. I know that. I know it contradicts my, my, whole, my whole point. But at the end of the day, I just don't think these guys can get it done. And, and Ian Jabot's pitching 60 innings, and we still have two months of a season left, right? I mean, I, these guys are taxed. They're tired. There's no better time for an off day, but at the same time, they have to find momentum. They have to get a hot streak back. And they've found the way to do that all year. I just don't think right now it's possible. The bats have gone co completely cold. Ellie De La Cruz, the leadoff spot, isn't working. It isn't working. It's not. I, I, the quality of his at-bats have gone down drastically since being moved to leadoff. If he's hitting from the right-handed side of the plate... He's striking out every single time. Literally 47% is what I saw. So if that's going to be the case for Ellie De La Cruz and, and he's going to be cold and right, Spencer Steer's been kind of cold. Uh, he's been hitting them hard, but just not finding the right gaps. If all these guys are going to be cold that have helped you get to this point, someone else needs to step up. And if those guys are Kevin Newman, Stuart Fairchild, Nick Senzel, I think you're in trouble.
I think you're in big trouble. Michael Lorenzen last night, a former Red and a potential trade piece at the deadline for the Reds, threw a no-hitter against the Washington Nationals. Elliot, any thoughts on that one? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> certainly a guy that the Reds could have used. But I, at the end of the day, I, I think Michael Lorenzen was a, was a former Red. Every time someone leaves the Reds, they do something great with their career. Michael Lorenzen has had an all-star season, thrown a no-hitter, He's on two teams. He's played on two teams. Both teams he played for has uh, he he pitched great for him. You it sucks. You want it's a, not good. You, you want a stat here? I'm gonna read. Yeah, you I want stat. a stat. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me pull it up here and find it. I should have been a little bit more prepared because this is one of the craziest stats that I can remember seeing. All right, let me let me pull it up. This is great podcasting. Phenomenal podcasting. Here it is. All right, four. This comes from High Heat Stats. You may have seen it. Four pitchers and four pitchers only have played in the major leagues after attending Fullerton Union High School in Fullerton, California. And now all four have thrown an MLB no-hitter. This is simply an incredible baseball fact, maybe the most amazing ever. That's the tweet. Four pitchers, Steve Busby, Walter Johnson, Mike Warren, and now Michael Lorenzen have all thrown no-hitters. The only four pitchers to come out of that high school to play in the major leagues, and all four of them have now thrown a no-hitter. Yeah, that's preposterous. I think it was. I think the no-hitter was 130 pitches almost last night, too. Oh, one, yeah, 126 or something so, like that. It, they weren't going to pull that guy out for the highlight of his career. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, though. Shout-out Michael Lorenzen. He wanted to be a starter. The Reds didn't see it that way, and he's proved the Reds wrong in every sense of the word. So, shout-out Michael Lorenzen. Casey, how are you doing over there? You're standing up. Is everything okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I just was tired of the way I, I had to look in between the, the monitors, so I'm standing up. You've been sitting down for a year, and you don't want to be constrained anymore. Nope, I'm done. Elliot, are you, are, you, <laughs> are you physically okay? You're coughing a lot. I've been coughing for a month and a half. I'm going to the doctor probably next week, uh, or it'll be, the week, it'll be the 21st of August. I'm going to the doctor. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I've been coughing for quite some time. I truly believe it's the air quality because I've never had just a, a prolonged cough for this long. It just doesn't go away. It just doesn't go away. I'm just stuck in, in purgatory with this cough. So we'll Was see. it bad up in Chicago? No, it got better in Chicago. In Chicago, the cough went away. So it has to be something with the air quality. I'm not going to blame the great city of Hamilton, but it's certainly you could look back at the timeline and say that's probably where it started. So somewhere along that time, I developed this cough I don't know what's in the air quality down here, but we'll see. I hope it's something great. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe it gives me superpowers. The Reds right now are sitting two and a half games back of first place against the Brewers. They have a day off today, and then they begin to stretch their schedule. You know, they're going to be in Pittsburgh this weekend, three quick games. They still have that West Coast swing looming over their heads. You still have to go out West to the Angels, the Diamondbacks, the Giants. You got five games in a row against the Guardians and a decent Blue Jays team coming up. You have three off days in your next 10 days. Three off days between now and the 21st. You get some guys back, you survive. If you can just play, let's see here, you play three, five, eight games between now and when everybody comes back. Hunter Green will be back likely on August 20th. Maybe get Jonathan India back tomorrow. Elliot's never been more right than anything on that. On what? Jonathan India. 
Listen, the Reds need Jonathan India. Stuart Fairchild will smell you. I guess it'll be TJ Hopkins first, actually. Never mind. I forgot TJ Hopkins existed. Yeah. That's a How guy. About that? That's a guy that exists. Shout out to you, TJ. You just keep doing you, baby. Pinch running in the ninth inning when we need you. That's 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 a good role there. Uh, Stuart Fairchild, I'm hoping him and TJ go back down. India comes back up. We get Hunter Green. We get Vladimir Gutierrez. TJ Antone. I've kind of given up on TJ Antone, if I'm going to be completely honest. He's been out for 10 years. But if he wants to come back too, great. You can replace, I don't know who's left, Daniel Duarte. Fernando Cruz, believe it or not, I watched Fernando Cruz pitch when I was in the diamond seats. Shout out me. I had diamond seats. Fernando Cruz looked good. And Nick Kirby's been saying that for 10 years. But, like, and that's how old Fernando Cruz is. Fernando Cruz is 35 years old. People forget about that. Um, Fernando Cruz's stuff is good. The issue is he does walk a batter every, every single time he pitches. But, yeah, I, if, if we can get some guys back, Jonathan India included, maybe the Reds go on another hot streak. I don't know. Casey has said it for a while. He's going to keep saying it until we get there. September is a very easy month for the Cincinnati Reds. But if, the, if you collapse before then, it's, it's, it's too late. So Reds need to figure it out against the Pirates. Uh, looking, looking, Go ahead. No, that's it. Looking in the chat, Alex Wallace says, release the burner files. That won't happen. <laughs> that will not happen. Maybe the last, whenever Chatterbox 20 years down the road gets sold for a billion dollars to some gambling company, maybe, maybe at that point you release the burner files. Those are going to be locked up. But you know, time. you know, look, everybody, Drew Garrison says, I'll be out of town tomorrow. This is my last, <laughs> this is my last show with Paul. I'm not okay. Thank you, Drew. It's okay. Everything will be okay. Everybody's, everybody will be okay. I'll be I'll be around. Uh, you know, it's something like the old saying, never meet your heroes. You think you want to know the burner files. You don't really want to know the burner files because that's some of the mystique. That's exactly. some of the fun. That's some of the charisma of the chat. You Agreed. don't want to know the burner files. You think you do, but you don't. And I will say, the, the, the burner files that you think you are getting, they won't be, uh, they're nothing crazy. Maybe a little crazy, but they're not, there's nothing crazy. None of us are in the chat consistently every day with a burner. I will say that. Unless one of you are and I don't know it. I'm not. I literally don't have a burner, but I do know that somebody that works for Chatterbox, he might have a tuft of hair and he wears short shorts. There's a chance that guy has a couple burners. I'm not saying what kind of burners he has, but I am saying there's a chance he does have them. Will I confirm that he has them? No, I will not. But I will say there's a chance. <laughs> I, I know Casey, uh, Casey has long told me that he does, but I have never asked and don't want to know what Casey does. No one, no one will know what my burner is. That's good. It's not very active. That's the problem. So that's why no one will know. Not because it's... A big member of the chat. Yeah, mine uh, mine was very active before I was a consistent member of the show. So you'd have to be a true OG way, way, way back to like a year ago for for mine to... I, I don't think I've used mine except for maybe once or twice since I've actually been sitting over there at the desk with you. Maybe. Maybe even that. If I'm going to say something, you say it with your chest. Put your name on it. That's Tom Brown. All of us here in this room do. That's right. Short shorts, maybe. Not short shorts. 
Short shorts is where short shorts has at least three burners that I know about. But the good news is, is we'll find them together eventually. When the story of Chatterbox, maybe it'll never end. But if the story of Chatterbox ever ends, it'll come out where where Reed, his burners will be exposed. Maybe. I hope, I hope like they're promise. not. I hope they're not. But he does have them, and he and he and he weaponizes them. It sounds like you made a promise there too. Yeah, I did. It does. It did sound like that, but. Mm. That's everybody else. We'll see. We'll see. Listen, if you got a burner, you got a burner. If you got a burner, you got a burner. People on Twitter have them all the time. I deal with them on my Twitter account. People have them. Reed Mouse says, I'm OJ's. Oh, Reed Mouse is back under his own name. Reed Mouse, welcome back to America. Welcome back to the shores. Welcome back from your cruise. Your carnival, your carnival cruise. He texted us last night. I can't wait to get his take on this tomorrow on the show. He texted us last night and said, uh, I'm, a, I'm a cruise guy now. So I, yeah. we've established. Because you, you're very clearly, you either are or are not a, uh, a cruise guy. Also, I, I didn't realize how high I was sitting in the chair there. That was, that that was, was a very good drop that down was, there. That was wildly high. Is that how I've been sitting for three days? Yeah. Four yes. days? Two weeks? How long have I been up here? This is like Groundhog Day. Yeah, it is. Like three weeks now. Four weeks, maybe. Maybe a month. Wow. Uh, I'm reading the chat here. I'm, I'm not a cruise guy, by the way. I, I Again, I, I told you guys this yesterday, but or two days ago. I watched the Titanic. I've seen it. I can't have that happen to me. I've never seen it, but I know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happens. <laughs> What, I, I think my favorite part of the Titanic was when Rose didn't let that other guy on the piece of wood with her. Yeah. Because there was definitely enough room. Well, yeah, there's no doubt. So what, what are we doing? Why didn't she let him on the boat or on the, on the drift? She didn't like him. I guess not. But she sure cried about it when she was 95 years old. It's been 95 years. Charlie Goldsmith, do you <laughs> think they could have fit two people on the plank in the Titanic? I haven't seen Titanic. Okay, neither neither have I. Neither have I. To be fair, neither have I. But I, I figure, you know, could Leo DiCaprio have fit on that plank? Elliot seems to think yes. I think he could have, Charlie. I think he could have. I, <laughs> I, I think they both could have lived. <laughs> I'm very confident, Elliot. You've put a lot of time breaking this down, so I'm going to trust your uh, your expertise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, thanks for coming on today. Uh, I want to ask you first. So yesterday on the show, we were sitting here talking about the joint practice and everything, and we were asking, you know, what do you expect? What do we want to see? Anything like that? And I sat here and I said, look, isn't a joint practice just an excuse for two teams to fight? And then what, 15 minutes into practice, we start seeing you tweet about those guys throwing punches or whatever it was. Uh, we see all the video. Things got out. There was a skirmish, maybe a couple of skirmishes. Uh, can you just kind of review the joint practice yesterday? What happened? Any observations you might have that you didn't tweet out or anything like that? I think the big takeaway and kind of the fight helped back this up was if there was any question about whether or not the Bengals defense would have the same edge to it, that really defined it last year. You know, even though they've lost Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell and Eli Apple, that edge is stronger than ever. You know, ask Elton Jenkins uh, how, how big that edge is. The defense... A couple veterans told me yesterday was one of the best uh, practices by Bengals defense in this era of Bengals football, you know, in this Lou Anarumo, Zach Taylor era. The best practice I've seen from DJ Reader, from Mike Hilton, Trey Hendrickson took over the practice. Sam Hubbard was all over the place. The speed in the secondary, 
Um, Dax Hill and Nick Scott aced their test and, you know, the, the best chance we'll have to evaluate them before the start of the season. So there are some questions. You, you know, the story of the season might be how well does the new look Bengals secondary play and the first kind of sign they got to show that couldn't have gone any. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about the secondary. Overall, your impressions here over the first couple of weeks of training camp and now going into the first preseason game tomorrow, it's been impressive to you? Yeah, so Dax and Nick won't be Jesse and Vaughn right away. Jesse and Vaughn weren't even Jesse and Vaughn right away. It was Rocky, Rocky Ear in 2020, really heated up into the 2021 postseason and took off after that. I, again, probably Dax and Nick aren't like they're – their ratings on a scale of 1 to 100 wouldn't be as high as Jesse and Vaughn right now, but they're faster and they're more versatile. Like, for example, Jesse Bates was usually the one who would line up deep down the field just because Vaughn's speed and his range range weren't necessarily his strengths. I do think Dax and Nick are more interchangeable than Jesse and Vaughn were. I think they can do uh, kind of more similar things, which will give Luan Ruma more creativity or ability to be creative. Uh, Dax Hill's playmaking probably is better than Jesse and Vaughn's playmaking. He keeps making pass breakups over the middle of the field. Nick Scott is like, like if Cam Taylor Britt were a safety, he is this hard hitter, physical presence, also with lights out speed to track guys down the field. So uh, again, th they'll have to answer questions throughout the season, but I don't think the Bengals could have asked for more for those two guys are at right now. We haven't had you on since Logan Wilson signed his extension, but you're talking about the secondary, Jesse Bates, these guys, and you look at Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, and a couple of guys that the Bengals signed for the same amount of money combined that Jesse Bates is playing for under his own contract himself. Does that speak to what the Bengals uh, prioritize and their value and what we thought about this contract situation the whole time, or what's your take on that? I think that there was a contract – offer that they thought was very fair to Jesse Bates that Jesse didn't see out Iowa with, and that's totally his right. He's doing great financially in Atlanta right now. I think the Bengals would have loved to have had Jesse to continue to play that role on the back end of the Bengals defense. But, you know, one of the good problems to have when you have too many players to keep is there are other players you can sign to value contracts. I didn't expect them to be able to keep Jermaine and Logan specifically because of how the linebacker market took off during the offseason. I'm frankly really surprised that the Bengals have them both on contracts that are are so low. You know, some teams are paying linebackers uh, what Logan and Jermaine are making combined. And to have that in the middle of your defense for the next three years, it's everything that Lou and Arumo could want. Looking at this contract situation, and, you know, everybody wants to know about Joe Burrow. Everybody wants to know about the receivers. But the, the, the Bengals' payroll is gradually starting to go north. And as it goes north and they start to shell out more and more money, do you think the goal of re-signing this offense and getting the core of this offense, the receiving, uh, you know, the receivers, uh, Joe Burrow, these guys, do you think that that's still a realistic goal? I think that's always been their plan and their priority. Like, here's, here's a fun way to think about it. I don't think when Logan signed his contract, they went, sorry, T, you know, no more uh, resources available. H have a good rest of your career. I think there's a lot of confidence in T Higgins' future with the Bengals still. And that's just what these coaches and this front office has done historically. You know, look throughout Bengals history. The Bengals have invested in multiple wide receivers, you know, with early draft picks before free agency really took off. But then they always had, you know, Chad and Hushmanzada, and they invested in AJ, and then they invested a lot in the receivers around AJ. 
Um, they invested in Jamar and T, and I think they'll do it again. Um, you know, look at Zach Taylor. He came from an L.A. team that invested the second most resources kind of in its era towards the wide receivers they had. Um, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, there was one more guy in there. The only team that invested more in their receivers in that era was the mid-2010s Denver Broncos. Their uh, offensive, or their uh, quarterbacks coach was a guy named Brian Callahan. Um, that was like the Brandon <laughs> Marshall era in Denver. The, these guys believe in investing in multiple receivers. That is what they do. That's who they've been, and I don't see that changing. How has the offense looked here over the last couple of weeks? You know, we saw Joe Burrow at practice yesterday. Obviously, wasn't practicing, but for the first time since he had been carted off the field, we actually saw him out there on the practice field. Uh, how have things progressed without him under center at practice? So, I'll start with the receivers. Uh, Jamar and T look better than they've ever been. They're more versatile, more athletic. They talk about wanting to move around more. They talk about wanting to play a greater percentage of the snaps and the training that they've done to put themselves in that position. Um, Jamar looks even better at contested catches. They've found ways to get the ball in his hands, take advantage of yards after catch. T. Higgins has just added to his route tree. He's lining up in the slot more. Um, he's taking advantage of, you know, undersized slot corners he might be going up against like he, he did um, or like he can throughout the season. And, you know, and Jones and Yoshivasha are exactly what the Bengals hoped they'd be. The line, uh, Frank Pollock is not a uh, a warm guy. That you know, he's an offensive line coach. I've seen him multiple times after practice go up to the line and say, "Great job today." That's exactly what I was looking for. So that's good. Irv Smith's more of a question mark. They're finding ways to kind of what routes work best for him. I think they really want to see him over the middle of the field, kind of in the the square. I like to call it between the linebackers and the safeties. They're figuring some stuff out. Um, Quarterback play hasn't been great. Um, Simeon and Browning continue to compete. I lean towards Browning right now, but like even among us, you know, writers who are watching all the practice, that's a split opinion. Um, big preseason for those guys. They haven't been accurate. They haven't been um, the most aggressive and consistent in throws down the field. They haven't been as sharp in the red zone as you'd like. Um, obviously, all of those issues get solved when Joe Burrow returns. Yeah, I've said for a long time, and you look at, backup quarterbacks and, and their value to a team and I think sometimes the backup quarterback gets undervalued because you just assume and you hope that your franchise quarterback and the most important piece of not only your team but your city and and your culture and everything else that your quarterback is going to be the mainstay of your team for the the length of the season but god forbid he goes down with an injury you hope that whoever replaces him is able to still carry a very talented team through the rest of the year. Now, Jamar Chase last week comes on to the NFL Network, and he starts to give these quotes, which I didn't personally buy. I think he knows what he's saying. I think he, I think maybe there's a little bit of gamesmanship there. He's stirring the crowd up. But, you know, we talk here a, a lot how a lot of times in humor there's a little sliver of truth and that maybe Jamar is sitting there saying to himself, look, I don't want Joe to go out there and re-injure himself in week one against the Cleveland Browns. But the Bengals can't punt on week one against the Browns and a divisional opponent and start like they did last year. And then, oh, by the way, still hope that they get the number one seed. Uh, where, where were you on the fence there, Charlie, with what Jamar said last week and, and how that whole situation is kind of going down right now? I mean, he was reflecting on his own experience, and he was completely right. Sitting out that extra week helped him um, be even more prepared. He, he had a massive game against the Chiefs when he had that first week back. Um, he was Jamar Chase again, full go, and that meant a lot. 
as then he was ready to take over down the stretch and make probably one of the toughest catches of his career in 10 degree weather in the AFC championship game, AFC championship game against Kansas City. With Burrow, Burrow will be out there when he's, this isn't an update, but he'll be out there when he's ready to be out there and he knows himself very well. And there is a specific process, a specific rehab process they're going through. I know that players play through calf strains more than you would think. So that is a sign of kind of the overall scope of the injury and where Burrow can be. Um, I've heard no concern. This very easily from the minute he got hurt could have had a very different tone. And that tone just hasn't been the case at all um, as people, you know, publicly and privately. I've been talking about Burrow. I was going to ask you that. Do you think if this had happened in the AFC Championship game, he'd have played in the Super Bowl? Joe Burrow finished the Super Bowl, I I believe, with a sprained MCL. We don't talk about that enough, but he he did. And and he almost threw a 60-yard game-winning touchdown to Jamar Chase over Jalen Ramsey. So, yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow would play through. Yeah. That that that's kind of the sense that I got. That when you go down, obviously you're taking these precautions. You go outside, practice is 100 degrees. You have that sleeve on your leg. You don't want to do anything that overextends yourself or puts you at any risk going forward. But I think that the Bengals understand their position this year as opposed to last year, and the importance of that number one seed this year, and, and what they can do to put themselves in a spot to get that by starting strong. Uh, when, when Tom sits up here and makes the point about playing your starters in the preseason. Now, you're not going to go out there and you're going to play your starters the entire game. We get that. But last year, with a revamped offensive line, we didn't see them at all in the preseason. And they didn't look great until a few weeks in when they started to get that cohesiveness together. Do you anticipate the same thing? Now, I know there's not as many new pieces, but do you anticipate the Bengals handling the preseason the same way this year? All right, so 2021, they started 3-1. and one. There was no slow start. 2022, they started 0-2, obviously. Big story there. Yep. Who started slow, though? You know, let's break it down. The defense, well, the, the stat I'm forgetting, but, like, they, they didn't allow a second-half touchdown for, like, the first seven weeks of the season or something crazy like that. The defense came out rolling. They, they were firing on all cylinders for the start of the season. They did not start slow. Jamar Chase... I think the third best game I've ever seen from him um, behind two other games that, that come to mind. Third best game I've ever seen from him was the Steelers game week one. He was ready. T. Higgins was ready. Tyler Boyd was ready. Hayden Hurst made a great first impression. He was ready. Joe Mixon had his most explosive run of the year in week one. He was ready. Who was not ready? I think the people who were not ready were Burrow. He had an appendectomy. He couldn't have played in the preseason anyway. And the two tackles. Jonah Williams, he struggled. That's its own thing. But Lyle Collins didn't practice at all in training camp due to a back injury. So of the three P, and I thought the interior of the offensive line was fine in the first two weeks of the season. Not great, but Kappa was also hurt during training camp. It was fine. The Out of the, the three people I really think started slow, two of them couldn't have played in the preseason anyway. So I think the overall sample size shows that you don't need to play in the preseason. You just have to be healthy during training camp and get the work and you need to get in in that more controlled setting. Also, where you can control different situations and work more on red zone, third down, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think slow starts have had any connection to what the Bengals have done in the preseason. Okay. Uh, now, this is why we bring you on, because we can tell you to change your hat out here real quick. Um, I know you've been with the Bengals here mostly recently, but are the Reds dead? The Reds are, so like when they were first place, all that kind of stuff, they were winning in spite of weaknesses on the roster that were very clear. 
and now they're losing because of weaknesses on the roster that are very clear. And I know we can we can relitigate the trade deadline until the end of time. I think what deserves more uh, attention and more spotlight is what the Reds did in the offseason. Uh, the front office didn't have as much flexibility as they needed because of payroll and because of where ownership was at with that. So as a result, the only pitcher they signed to a major league contract was Luke Weaver, who, as we all know, is not having a great season. That is now caught up to the Reds. I get what they did at the deadline. They didn't want to part with the type of impact prospects. Philadelphia gave up a really good guy to get Michael Lorenzen. The Reds didn't want to do that for a guy on a one-year deal with some question marks. I get that. But kind of how they, they weren't able to attack the offseason aggressively and then arrived on the scene ahead of schedule, and now when they need to win, they have holes on the roster that are still apparent, a bullpen that's too thin, a rotation that literally doesn't have a fifth starter right now, bringing up Lyon Richardson, even though he's barely pitched in AAA and can't give you more than three innings. Their inability to address the roster as a whole before the season, I think it's caught up to them. Last night, Michael Lorenzen threw a no-hitter for the Philadelphia Phillies against the Washington Nationals. He had been rumored as a potential maybe trade piece, and it didn't look like they had to, now looking back on it at least, didn't look like the Reds maybe would have had to have given up a ton to get him. Now, would he have wanted to come back to Cincinnati? Is that a match made in heaven? I don't know. Would he have thrown a no-hitter here in Cincinnati? Probably not. It, it, look, you're not. it's comparing apples to oranges a little bit. But at the same time, you're talking about a team that did need pitching depth and pitching help, and he was a name that had been thrown out there. What I'm asking you, Charlie, is did you ever get the sense – because Justin Verlander was never realistic. I don't think that I don't think Verlander, looking back on it now, was ever realistic. Sure, the fans had fun with the rumors. We get to sit up here and spend time talking about it because that's our job two hours a day. But Justin Verlander was never going to be seen at Holy Grail. That was just never going to happen. Now you have Michael Lorenzen. Was that ever realistic? Lorenzen, while I didn't hear, I heard some other names more specifically with the Reds, uh, guys they were looking at like Giolito and Lance Lynn. Lorenzen, I think, certainly was on the list of pitchers who, you know, I mean, he was clearly one of the guys available. It's very hard to outbid Phillies GM Dave Dabrowski at the deadline. He's a very aggressive general manager. Uh, the names I've heard that have, the Reds were, were asked for a lot were Connor Phillips, were Lyon Richardson, were Chase Petty. Like, these are really promising pitchers, two of them through 100. Phillips has, you know, leads all of minor league baseball in strikeouts. That is a lot to try to, to match in a, you know, a trade negotiation for a pitcher like Michael Lorenzen, who's never pitched this deep into a season before, who has a track record of not being a starting pitcher, who the Reds concluded in 20, you know, throughout the 2010s, that he wasn't a starting pitcher. You know, for, first of all, couldn't be more excited for Lorenzen. Uh, unbelievable performance last night. He does look like the type of guy who can make a big impact on the stretch. But the costs, uh, I get why they didn't make the trade. I really do. Again, I think the big thing to focus on is what they did in the offseason. Their, in their inability to be aggressive then when they wouldn't have had to give up these prospects. I think that is a, a brighter spotlight to focus on. Because again, the cost for Lorenzen, the cost for Jordan Montgomery, the cost for Giolito was higher than I expected, was probably higher than they expected. And I get why they didn't necessarily go over that line. But still, at the end of the day, it's a rotation in a bullpen that doesn't have enough options. All right, two more questions for you here. I thank you for joining us again, Charlie. I always really appreciate it. But two more questions before I let you go. The first one, um, did the do the Reds, did the Reds miss Jonathan India? Oh, I, I think they did. Um, I think the Reds haven't looked like themselves this week. Like they, They've had other losing streaks. Um, 
but they were still like playing their entertaining, aggressive, base running, tough at bat style and brand of baseball. I think India and Fraley are like the two guys who define that and who set that tone. Like for a while, they led the Reds in stolen bases. Those two guys, um, two of the most patient at bats on the team, they're playing with our two starters right now, and I think that's part of this too. There's less lineup depth. Um, Fraley's their best hitter against right-handed pitching. India's the he really is. It's his team. That's something multiple players have told me. And, you know, these things you have to be able to overcome over the course of the season. But I definitely think the brand of baseball the Reds have been playing and how they've struggled are connected with the two guys they've been playing without. All right. Last question for you. And it's along those lines. The Reds have three off days in the next 10 days. You're hoping to get India back, maybe Fraley back, Antone, Vladimir Gutierrez, Hunter Green, you're, you're, you're potentially mixing some bit, pretty big pieces back into this team. You have eight games between now and August 20th with three off days mixed in there, including today. You have the Pirates, two against the Guardians, and then you, you're back home again after the off day with, uh, with Toronto. Some winnable games in there, but not the easiest. Toronto's decent. Where, where do you see this team two weeks from right now in this NL Central race, which it feels like, Charlie, nobody wants to win the Central right now. That's the thing. The Reds are still in it. Um, they have the talent, especially with the guys coming back, to go on a similar run to what they did in June. It's truly a mystery because, hey, like, this is a young team. Um, young teams have high, you know, high highs and lower lows uh, than a team that's been there before. It's a new experience for everyone involved. They don't know how to evaluate and approach these situations. So it's even harder to, to say or to predict how this team's going to do in these environments. Obviously, they have to start, you know, they have to break out of the stretch. They have to start playing their brand of baseball again. They're not quite at the now or never stage, but this is like the stage before the now or never stage. And again, with some winnable series coming up, I mean, these are the opportunities that if this thing's going to happen, all right, everyone has to kind of dig down and, and dig deep and come up with a, a way to turn this thing around. All right. Charlie Goldsmith, as always, appreciate you joining the show, taking some time here this morning, and uh, look forward to seeing whatever you're – we know you're, you're producing something today, so we appreciate whatever you're going to do. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Charlie. While Charlie, was, uh, while Charlie was on there, I just got a stat here. I'm pulling it up. Nick Kirby texted me while Charlie was on, and Nick said that uh, during Ellie, during the 12 game, uh, or yeah, right around the 12 game winning streak from Ellie's debut to June 23rd, the Reds went 14 and two, and Ellie hit 361, 418, and 656. Between June 24th and August 10th, the Reds went 19 and 22. Ellie hit 226, 273, and 378. That is a massive, massive difference. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I don't know. Again, I, Nick Kirby is, is a big advocate of the lineups don't matter much, and he's right. To, to a large degree, they don't. But I do think it changes the mental state of a player. I, I can't obviously attest to that. But I do think there has been a difference in the approach of Ellie De La Cruz since being switched to the leadoff position. I think he's swinging at more garbage. I, I think the at-bats, the, the plate discipline, it just hasn't been there. It hasn't been there. When he, when he bats, and again, I've already said it, but when he's batting right-handed, it's certainly not there. And if, you, if he's not getting on base, his biggest tool right now to the Reds is to get on base. If he's not going to get on base, if he's not going to steal bases, I don't know what Ellie De La Cruz is doing at the leadoff spot. We have two guys, TJ Friedel, Jonathan India, that can play that position or can play that part well at the leadoff spot. Jonathan India 
that's the best objectively in that spot. So I, I think when, when India comes back, you, you put India at, at leadoff, Ellie goes back down to three or four, and maybe we, maybe we turn things again. We turn the tides again. It's not, it wouldn't be the first time David Bell switched the lineup. It's not a big deal. It's, I just don't think, I don't think Ellie's best play is happening right now at the leadoff spot. Something, just, something needs to change, and it's, it's going to have to start there. Does he go back to the, the fourth spot? Or do you I would put, put him at three? I would, I would put him four or five. Four I wouldn't five. put him three. I'd put him four or five. But that's just me. I think Matt McClain has been a consistent offensive player. I think he deserves the three and or four spot. Joey Votto against the righty is very close for me saying, you deserve the four spot, if not Jake Fraley. Jake Fraley absolutely against the right-handed pitcher deserves the four spot. So it'll be interesting. And again, like Paul said, Paul said in the interview with Charlie there, uh, the Reds are going to get guys back, right? The season's not dead. I think it's dead personally just because I'm a Reds fan. I'm a Cincinnati sports fan. I've seen this type of thing happen. That The losses you're seeing recently where they're just blowing leads left and right, that's the Reds I know. That's the Reds that I have been born into, into this fandom, right? I, I've seen this happen time and time again. But if they can somehow figure it out like they figured it out for a two-month stretch, the Reds can go to the postseason. They can make a run. I still believe that. They have enough talent. Do you think? So I still think they're the most talented team in the NL. Or NL Central, excuse me. Do you think that, that some of that is water finding its level with this team? Oh, it absolutely is. Absolutely is. It, it, the regression was going to come. The Reds were not as good as they were playing. They weren't as good as the back of the baseball card, as they say. But, yeah, I, I think what you're seeing now is what honestly could have been the whole year, if not for the help of the rookies. What you're seeing now could have been the culmination of an offseason where the Reds didn't really do anything. And they and they played up to their played down to their sixty four win total projection. You're really struggling here, aren't you? Yeah, I well, yeah, I I think it's tough. It's tough to be a Reds fan. No, I no, no. I meant vocally. Vocally, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm calling. You look. I know you look like you're just fighting. Like, listen, I'm doing my best, Paul. I'm doing my best. No, I know you are. I can I tell. A, but I, every word that comes out of your mouth, it looks like you're fighting a battle. I am. I am. I'm just trying not to cough. I'm pushing down the cough. Got it. Is what's happening here. Got it. So if you see me struggle, that's what's happening. Ellie, do you have some Pawnee water over there? I do have Pawnee water. You need to drink some Pawnee water. Okay. Get, get uh, some Pawnee. Why don't we do a ham and eggers while we're doing that? All right. Ham and eggers. Let's. We haven't run this in a while. It's that type of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. The Bengals report, as you heard from Charlie Goldsmith, is brought to you by Encore Technology. Actually, you know what? We're going to say it's the Tracy Jones report today because Tracy Jones is going to be on here in 40 minutes. Tracy Jones is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right. We only got one more of those. You can visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Why did you say that? You didn't have to say that. Also, Pawnee Water, a new premium alkaline water made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. And the result is the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. To see where you can buy it. Drink Pawnee Water. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet with Betfred. And get your technology solutions from Encore.tech.
if there is anybody in the chat that has a topic, that has things that they want to talk well, about. Why, why can't we do the calls again? Oh, yeah. Let's do calls. Throw, can you throw calls up there or no? Oh, no. Yeah, I'll throw up calls. Just that, that, was, that was a look from Casey that was like, I was not prepared for calls today. <laughs> I didn't know that we were going to do calls. No. Nope. It only take takes like two seconds to set up. Okay. We'll take calls today. We'd love to take calls today because we probably won't take calls Realistically, tomorrow. Realistically, Paul, so you grew up a Nationals fan, right? Is that what, is that what I hear? So, well, it, I, I guess if you want to say anything, I grew up a Reds fan until 2005. So the Reds came – or the Nationals came to town when I was eight. Okay. So I, my first game – well, it, I, it was Synergy Field at the time. But first baseball game I ever went to, there was a fight. Actually, during COVID, I went back and I – Doug in the Enquirer. I paid for a Enquirer archive subscription. Yeah. I went back to find my very first baseball game. There was a fight between because Barry Bonds was my best, my favorite player. So my parents took me to a Giants Reds game when we were here, and there was a fight. I think Scott Rowland got into a fight. It was no, it wasn't Scott Rowland. I don't remember. I had to go back and look. Somebody, somebody got in a massive bench clearing brawl. That was my first game. Grew up a Reds fan. Went to Orioles games when I was back home in the Northern Virginia area because that was really the only thing. The other, the other thing too was uh, the Reds single A team was like 15 minutes from my house back in Virginia. The, at that time, they were the Potomac Cannons. Then they became the Potomac Nationals. Now they're the Fredericksburg Nationals. But yeah, Joey Votto went through there in single A. They Barry Bonds went through there. I think when they were the Pirates. I mean, the Pujols went through there. There have been a lot of players that that uh, went through that stadium and 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 uh, were. I mean, Pools and, and some of those Yankee guys, uh, Pools wasn't, but some of those Yankee guys were way before my time, but Votto, some of them that, that came up through single A. Uh, yeah, and then when the Nats came to town in 2005, it's kind of like right now with the Reds. It's like, I just like being around and caring about the team that I'm around. So for 15 years, didn't miss a Nationals game because that was the home team. Moved here four, three, four years ago permanently and so did you get to celebrate the Washington Nationals uh, World Series? I mean, to, to be clear, from 2005 to 2019, I missed maybe I, – you know, I, I watched as much Nationals or more Nationals than you guys did with, do with the Reds. I mean, it, really? it was – yeah. Like, I didn't – I never missed a game. I would – you know, it was Masson every night, Bob Carpenter, and then a rotating cast. Rob Dibble was a color commentator for the – for the Nationals for a while. Seriously? Yeah. He got fired for something. Yeah, it was Dibble. It was Dibble and Carpenter. Carpenter's been there basically from the very beginning. And then Rob Dibble was there for, I don't know, a couple seasons. FP Santangelo for the, was there for about 10 years. I think he got fired for something too because now it's Kevin Franzen. Um, but yeah, I mean, from 2005 to, to 2019, it was... I mean, like, I remember leaving Little League practice when Steven Strasburg made his debut, which was one of my favorite memories of all. I didn't go to the game. I just remember my mom came and picked me up from practice. Like, I don't know, minutes before practice was ending, was like, we got to get home and see Strasburg's debut. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite memories all time, baseball. I remember watching his games at San Diego State. I was like, how old would I have been? That would They drafted him in 2009, so I would have been... 11, 12, somewhere in there, watching him at San Diego State and thinking to myself, oh, this guy's going to be so 13 maybe. Yeah. This guy's going to be somebody. Swept the nation. Phenomenon. Yeah, so from, from the day that the Nationals showed up when I was in second grade till 
They won the World Series in 2019. I mean, I missed a handful of games watching. And then, you know, 2020 happened, and I moved here permanently, and it's kind of – both teams suck. That's the thing. And when I worked with the National – or when I worked in AA in 2021, that was obvious. And talking to the National staffs and people, it, you knew they were going to suck. So I was like, if both teams suck and I'm going to live here, might as well care about the team that's – Yeah. Might as I'm covering for this for – this, being here in the city in the show Interesting. but i don't know I, I is that fair weather to say that like if this was flipped and the nationals were like i have not watched much of the nationals in the last two years i'll be honest well if you went back and yeah it would be fair weather fan you'd be a fair weather fan yeah i'm just saying like between the two and both of them having sucked yeah i don't know i don't i don't really think too much about it but i mean in the last three years going to reds games and i just love i just very much enjoy a baseball game so being able to sit behind the dugout for seven dollars is pretty damn good yeah it is it is I, we debated this i think we debated this about a month ago we said our worst sports memories what about our best sports memories i've been trying to think about this for some time my best sports memories i i think one of them for sure was in 2020 believe it or not when the reds clinched a playoff series against the twins it was a <laughs> they were bad all year they were bad all season long. It came down to the last stretch. I think they played the Pirates three times in the last four series or something preposterous. So when they clinched against the Twins, that was satisfying. Uh, one of my other favorite moments, obviously, was the Jay Bruce home run. The Jay Bruce home run was phenomenal. The, the Joey Votto Mother's Day walk-off, that home run was phenomenal. I'm just trying to go look back at my sports fandom and think of the best sports memories. Bearcats-wise, there's, there's some obscure Bearcats memories I have. The uh, Cashmere Wright game winner against Alabama. Buzzer, <laughs> oh, beater, buzzer beater against Alabama. That's one for sure. Uh, but I, I was just trying to think of that. I was just trying to think of some. I, I'm going to think of some while, while okay. we're, we're going to take a call here. I have a few I can talk about. Let's think of ones that we were at, yeah. too. Because I have a few that obviously I wasn't at that, that I can remember. Been to, two no hit, been to two no hitters. You ever know that? Ever mentioned that one before? That's a That's a fun one. Who's this? Who do we have on the Who do we have on the line? It's Mr. Mo calling again. How you guys doing, Mr. Mo? Good to hear from you. How you doing? I'm doing good. I don't got very long. I got a work meeting coming up in a few minutes, so I just have one question. Um, did you guys see the interview with Graham Ashcraft after the game, talking about Jazz Chisholm? Then they asked him about like we'll pull why it up. he was so upset. He's like, and he was like, oh, that. You know, you know what is lucky. That's all he got. What do you guys think about that? I saw that there was a scuffle about this interview. I did not actually see the interview. So we're going to – Elliot, go ahead. I saw the interview. Yeah, I, I think Jazz, he started it when he hit that home run uh, game one against Tyler Stevenson. He, he did the Euro – he always does the Euro step, the basketball Euro step as a celebration. And he tapped, he tapped Tyler Stevenson on the ass. Tyler didn't like it. So I think he's been causing trouble. And what – the issue is when you're talking trash and you don't back it up, people aren't going to respect you at all. Like, if you're good and you're doing that, that's one thing. If you're hitting, like, 195 or whatever he's hitting right now and you're doing Euro steps after home runs and you're pissing people off, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, I feel like the, the Euro step and everything's fine. I don't really have an issue with that. But when he slapped Tyler Stevenson's ass and – Tyler kind of looked at him like, what, the, what are you doing, dude? 
and they were down what was it five to two at that point like yeah they were it's time and kind of thing so i think i just found it kind of weird that he did that he just slapped the opposing catcher's ass after hitting a home run when you're down by <laughs> i agree with i agree with you yeah i, I think i think it's disrespectful <laughs> it, it was honest. bizarre yeah it's and it's like i think people got upset with you know the fernando tatis thing he would celebrate home runs in moments where he shouldn't there, there's a ton of unwritten rules in baseball that I still I still think should be kind of gotten away with the one where you're celebrating home runs and touching people after you hit a meaningless home run that's one where I kind of agree with the unwritten rules like maybe don't do that it's I, I am happy that that, that uh, Ashcraft didn't beam him I, I still think beaming people with fastballs is not the uh, humane way to handle that situation because I think Ashcraft in this interview will play it here in a second did say it could have been dealt with differently. But, yeah, I agree with you, Mr. Moe. Thank you for calling, man. Yeah, thank you. I got to I gotta go. I got a work meeting coming up. But uh, thank you guys for taking the call. Paul, you will be missed, my friend. I will, I will be watching tomorrow, but probably not chatting much because Fridays are busy for me. But you guys all take care. Thank you, Mr. Moe. I appreciate the call. Yeah, no problem. See ya. All right. Uh, okay. You got one more caller. Oh, we got another one. Great. Love it. Is he in? Who is it? Who's calling? PB's ghost again, Paul. PB's ghost. There, there he go. is. How are you, PB? I am happy to see that you're joining the Flyer Faithful after leaving Chatterbox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will be at the, uh, the Flyer UC game, maybe, if you're there in December. <laughs> And uh, I wanted to say, you know, the emotion out of uh, Casey and Elliot yesterday was troubling considering there was not that much emotion shown over the sad story about Lanny the Cat. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not dead. You killed the cow. You did. Cow's not coming back. That cow's not coming back. Cow's I might show up. Back. I might just show up. That cow's not. Unless it's on your dinner plate. Yeah, no, all kidding aside, uh, well, sad to see you go, Paul. I enjoy when you host. And uh, you were talking about events we've witnessed. Unfortunately, I'm an old bogey. Uh, I was there, one of the most exciting. Johnny Bench was my favorite player. I was there on Johnny Bench night, his last game with the Reds and Riverfront Stadium when he hit the home run. I was also there in the nosebleed seats when Pete Rose hit 41-92. Uh, those are the two most exciting events uh, that I've witnessed in person. Well, uh, I would say that those are two. Those, those are two pretty good events to say you were at. Yeah, they were wonderful. I mean, the crowd—you wouldn't believe the crowd. You could feel Riverfront Shady on stake, uh, shake. Um, and uh, I, I saw a few Bengals games at Riverfront. I saw one, uh, Cliff Branch's last game, one of the all-time great receivers. receivers. So there have been a few, but I'm an old fogey. You know, I got to see a lot of things that, unfortunately, you guys have been deprived of since the um, downturn of both franchises. And, and that, I hope in that's the future, okay. That's we'll okay, have. PB. You just bring the perspective. That's all. Well, I want to say I appreciate you guys, Paulie. We're going to miss you if I'm not there tomorrow. You know, I, I wish you the best on your endeavors. I think you'll do well in whatever you do here. You're the Jay Leno of the show when uh, Tom, Johnny Carson is not there. 
I know that's going to go over some of the youngsters' heads, but uh, we appreciate you. Thanks for taking my call, and, and good luck. And, and uh, Casey and Elliot, you need to show more emotion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, PB, uh, I hope to uh, run into you and talk college basketball sometime along down the line because I'll be around. We'll do her, Paul. All right. Sounds good. See you, PB. Bye. You said we had one more, Casey? Yes, we do. We got one more. All right. On. All right, go ahead. All right. Who do we have here? Hey, gentlemen. Look, good morning. Is this Sir Boy Wonder? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. For the third damn day in a row, but I just wanted to say, first of all, I thought about a couple cool sports moments I got to see in person. One, Homer Bailey's no-header. That's probably right there at the top for me. I don't know about you guys, but that one, I'd say when they clinched the division in 2012, that was awesome to be there for that because Chapman came in, got the outs or whatever, and the whole place was like a party. It was awesome. And then three would probably have to be Buffalo last year, or earlier this year, excuse me. That was the greatest football game I've ever seen in person, ever. So, yeah, you, 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 you made the trip to Buffalo, right? Yes. That's where I met Casey for the first time, actually. Him and Tomas. That's right. And yeah, that was a fun time. That's right. Yes. That was awesome. But, um, Paul, you will be missed, buddy. We, oh, it's, that, that, man, uh, I'm so happy for you, though. I cannot wait to see what you'll be doing here in the next future. So, but I just wanted to call and say our goodbyes, because who knows. I, I, you will, you, you will, you will be seeing me, uh, you'll be seeing me. Sir Boy, and if you ever want to get to Cintas for a game, you know who to find. Paul, I've got, I will make it to Cintas this year. I hope you're still there. I, <laughs> oh, you gotta make all right. Got to make that happen. You Thank got you, buddy. It. You got it, Sir Boy. Thanks for everything. Appreciate it. Yes, sir, buddy. All right. Uh, do we have any more right now? I mean, you can leave the number on the screen. No, I'm we do not. Right now. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm thinking of, of memories that I have been to. Uh, did I mention I've been to two no-hitters? Yes, you did. Okay. You okay. did. I've been – so there's a couple. For me personally, uh, the Ravens, Hubbard Yard Dash, the Rumble in the Jungle, that was an all-time moment. Yep. Buffalo, that was another all-time moment. But one underrated one that I will never forget was way back in the Andy Dalton era, Adam Pacman Jones – and Geno Atkins taking over the game against the Patriots. And it's just downpouring in Paul Brown Stadium at the time. And I can still see Pac-Man just jumping up, catching it, falling down on the ground, beating Tom Brady. That was an all-time moment for me as a kid. All-time moment. I, I was just – I thought we could beat anybody at that point. Turns out that didn't happen, but – that was an all-time moment beating Tom Brady, outbraiding Brady. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, the the, the Evan McPherson walk-off against the Chiefs. That's that's on the list certainly. Were you there? No, it was not. Oh, you're just talking memories. The, no, I was just talking memories. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think I've been to that many cool like down to the wire finishes. The Cashmere Right Alabama one I was there for. Uh, Bearcats games other than that, not really. Reds games other than that, not really. I, there was a there was a random walk-off where. The Reds were down a run in the ninth inning. It was Todd Frazier and uh, Shinsu Chu. I think they hit back-to-back. -back. 
home runs to walk off a random game. The game didn't matter. The season didn't matter. But there are random moments like that that are cool. But I didn't have, like, a, any, any cool, like, I was there for the AFC championship game or a clinching game. Nothing like that, I don't think. Yeah, I haven't been to a ton of postseason sporting events just in general. I was at the Ravens game this past year uh, for Hubbard's that play. I was uh, – college basketball – I could go on for about college basketball and the things I've been at there. I mean, Xavier beating Villanova when Villanova was number one, that environment was something I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if that environment will ever be replicated in anything. I don't know if I will ever be able to go to an event that replicated that event. Um, that, you were at the, that game. Were you at the cycle? Oh yeah. was it. Yeah. I was I just saw sir boy say Ellie yeah, cycle, Ellie cycle. I was there. Ellie's debut. I was there this year. Uh, I'm trying to think of other Reds events that I've been at here in the last The Will years. Benson walk-off this year. I was at that one. That was a cool one. Yeah, that was the next night. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the cycle, I was there for that. Um, Joey Votto's first home run back this season, I was there for that. that I was, was there for cool. that. That was very cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think back to the Nationals. I went to one Nationals postseason game. They won, but they ended up losing that series. That was the NLDS against the Dodgers in, I think, 16. Uh, I was at the fight with the Cardinals when Johnny Cueto was being held back by the diamond seat fans and he was just kicking people. I was at if the, you remember that I was at the pirates fight. Yeah. Have I told that story on the air? I don't no, know if I've told that no. story the Amir, on the air. The Amir Garrett fight, the Amir Garrett fight. So I, so I was there with Lizzie and her whole family and that game was a blowout of a game. Yeah. Pirates were winning that game by a million and uh, right. It was pirates winning that yes. game by a million. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. And so we had, we were sitting way far away down the right field line, kind of by the foul pole. And I said, hey, look, guys, it's filtering out. People are leaving. Let's go move closer. So we sat right behind the Pirates bench, a few rows up. And I jokingly was, you know, I was kind of in my casino mode. I was kind of in my jester yeah. mode. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm screaming at all these fans that are leaving, obviously kidding to them and saying, hey, you know, you never know what you're going to miss. You never leave. I'm, I'm very much a never leave early person. I never leave early. So even if it's a blow, you just never know what you're going to miss. So I'm jokingly telling all these people, oh, you know, you never know. You never know. The Reds might come back. I think we're down nine runs or something crazy. Well, the Reds didn't come back, but that fight was incredible. And we were right behind it. Right behind it. It was awesome. Amir Garrett just coming charging right at the Pirates dugout was incredible. That whole fight was incredible, too, because it's like David Bell was ejected earlier in that game. He came out of the dugout, came out of the tunnel for that fight. He, he started tackling Clint Hurdle. Yes. Which was, which was great. Clint Hurdle's the all-time worst guy of all time. Uh, I said all time twice in that one sentence. Well, that was pretty good. The, I, and Puig was traded. Puig was traded mid-game, mid-fight. They were going to say, like, Puig's going to just be taken off the game, taken out of the game after the fight. Yeah, that game was wild. That game was absolutely wild. Were you at the Crosstown shootout, the fight there, the zip him up? Uh, no, I was not at that fight. I, I was not at that shootout. I was back in Virginia. I was studying for a chemistry final. That was my freshman year of high school. I will never forget that. I was sitting in my living room watching, a, watching the shootout, studying for a chemistry exam my freshman year, and I look up at the TV, and all of a sudden I'm looking going, is that a fight? Did Mark Lyons – what's going on? Is that two Holloway? Oh, no, there goes Kenny Freeze. Worst. Ugh. Kenny Freeze is the worst. Oh, no, don't disrespect my guy Kenny. I have to. I'm no. sorry, Kenny. I, this, again, this is just from a dumb UC fan. But I don't like Kenny, just from that perspective alone. I'm sure he's a nice guy or whatnot. 
but I, I man, when I get mad when I think of two guys, Kenny Freeze is one of them, and JP McCure is the other. The rest of the Xavier guys are fine. I liked, um, oh, who was his name? Jordan Crawford. I liked a lot. He was only there for a year, though, right? Yeah. Uh, I love, I love the guy who only shot threes, Brad Redford. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys. Ah, ah. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. But those are my. I, I remember those two guys. I'd be, I, I would go to Cintas and I'd be like, Yeah, I like those guys. Sure. Those are cool guys. Sure. You ever want to meet Kenny Freeze? Just come on over to Dana's Z- and I'll, I'll introduce yeah. you. Xavier was cute when they were in the A10. There they like are. they were just like a little tiny puppy dog. You just pet their little head and, and they'd go on their way because you know it's, when they're when you're playing George Washington twice a year, when you're playing the Richmond Spiders twice a Saint year, Saint Bonaventure, Saint Bonnie's. Yeah, it was just hard to get up, but they were so cute and fun. Um, I liked Xavier when they were in the ATA. It was humbling. It was humbling for Xavier. I like that. Now it just seems like, you know, they're in the Big East and they think they're the king of the roost. But that's okay. We'll see where, we'll see where they go. I mean, it, it's so, it, at some point, look, if, if UC doesn't win at Cintas this year, the game is December 9th at Cintas this year. Yeah. If UC doesn't win that game, eventually you're going to start having to do the president's thing again. Because <laughs> yeah. it would be another election before... Before be before it comes back to Cintas, so that That'd would be, be that would be three presidencies, at least since UC's won. It's crazy. It's crazy that the, the Bearcats. The UC is. hasn't won at Cintas in twenty years. They won the first one. They christened Cintas with an L and haven't won there since. Yeah. But they haven't even won the shootout in five years. That's what I'm talking about. I'm yeah, going to talk tough. about it. Cintas. Listen, man, it's tough. It's tough being a Bearcats fan, but we're we're trending in the right direction. The American Conference sucks. That's a waste of a conference. Whoever founded the American Conference, I'm sure that guy's a nice guy or whatever. That guy sucks. Put him in prison. The American? Yeah, dude. That's Do you horrible. hate your country? I hate the conference. I don't hate the country. I hate the conference. Mm. Who's in it now? Marshall and Rice? It's a bunch of wild teams. Yeah, I mean, that's just... <laughs> Shout out Jacob Tissett. You know what, Jacob? You're right. Those teams don't deserve a chance at the college football <laughs> playoff. Those teams are worthless. <laughs> I think Tulane is the odds-on favorite to win a conference this year, that conference being the American. That's so sad. I mean, how, how, how far they've fallen. Oh, well. Get over it. American dead. We'll see. Did you see the story that um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and think here of any more memories maybe I've forgotten. Did you see the story that Phil Mickelson had gambled over a billion dollars in his career? It's pretty impressive. A billion. Now, you make... A $400,000 bet, you win that, you have $800,000 in the bank, you go back to half of that. You, you can, this is going to be an absolutely ludicrous thing to say, but you can cycle through a billion. You can see where those numbers add up, and you yeah, can you cycle can. through a billion if you're going with those units over the course of many years. A billion dollars. He's one of us, man. Before he took the Saudi money, he was, uh, I think he was, I think there was a point where Tiger came back and won the Masters in 2019, uh, and that brought t- Tiger back, the fans of golf back, brought everybody back. But up until then, Phil was, I'd argue, probably the, the, like, the biggest fan favorite in the country when it came to golf, and now everybody loved him. They loved his degenerate gambling. I, and then he went to Saudi. Everybody hated him, but now he's slowly coming back. Phil, keep betting that coin, baby. Keep betting it away. He's up to one billion in total losses. <laughs> that's no, crazy. no, not losses. I know, but okay, a, t- a billion in total bet. That's even worse. I mean, it's just you can't possibly fathom how much money that is to lose. A billion. That's what we know about. That's been what's been reported. You don't think he's used a bookie? You don't oh, think yeah. he's used like a like oh, a like yeah. a, he had two offshore accounts? I know, but that's offshore accounts. I'm talking bookies, dude. 
Like if you go to New York, there's still people running around. You see that Adam Sandler movie where he gets killed by the bookie? Uh, spoiler. Spo oh, yeah, spoiler. That's my bad. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Uncut Sorry. Gems? Yeah, Uncut Gems. Yeah. I, I just I, saved you those, two hours. Don't worry. Those people <laughs> Those people still exist, dude. Phil was using people. He was using offshore accounts. He was using real accounts. I have no doubt about it. Phil's lost more than $1 billion. Well, let's be real clear here. Bookies still exist. Correct. Like, for people that thought that just because gambling became legal in the United States and this happened to a point where now you can just go to Betfred Sportsbook and lay down some wagers, bookies are still a very prominent business in the United States. It is. And they have not gone anywhere because you never know – you know, but they shouldn't be because you be, you should be betting with Bedford Sportsbook. That's the right. Sportsbook known to man. If Phil had used responsible gaming on Bedford Sportsbook, he probably wouldn't have lost his ass a billion dollars, a billion dollars worth of it. Phil, come over to Bedford Sportsbook, the greatest sportsbook known to man. That'll help you out a ton. But I saw that. I saw that, Paul. That's I mean, he's just one of us. That's just the guy. One of us. There was a video that came out this week. I, I should have sent it to Casey. Uh, he was he was talking bets with Bryson DeChambeau. He's like, yeah, man, what are we putting on a match? They were going to do like one of those stupid matches they do with the quarterbacks now. Uh, yeah. But I think they were going to do it with him and uh, Bryson. Like, yeah, what are we putting on it? We doing $1,000 a hole, 10000 a hole? What are we doing? And he just went on for like a minute and a half about how much he wants to bet on a, a round of golf with Bryson. You ever get into that point when you're, you know, if you're playing golf or something and your friend says, hey, let's put this on a hole. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, that kind of stretched the budget a little bit. Do I really want to do I really want to do that for every hole? Yeah. But then you don't want to sit there and think to yourself, <laughs> well, now I want to do this instead. And you got to figure out a way to to phrase it to your friend. Hmm. Listen, that, that look in Bryson's eye was, <laughs> do I really want to do this? Listen, dude, I, I I'll never compete for a master's. I think if I was given the time, I think I could compete for a Masters. Give me, give me. I think the debate Paul gave us was nine years. If I had nine years to train for the Masters, I'd, I'd win the Masters. But anyway, that's what? That, that's beyond the point. Hold what? on, let me, continue. let me continue, please. What? Please don't interrupt. Please don't. It's really rude to interrupt. Uh, what? I, when I when I golf with my friends, I have to have money on it because that's my every time I golf is a Masters. Every time I play my buddies, I'm like, all right, we're playing for hole, we're playing for the round. And again, I do this responsibly, of course. You can't do it irresponsibly. Unresponsibly? Irresponsibly. Irresponsibly. Thank you, Paul. Big Words. League Paul. Big yeah. League Paul. Words. Uh, but that's what I do, yeah. So nine years, I can win the Masters. Give me nine years. Nine years you can nine win years. the Masters? There's no chance. Yeah. Nine years. Nine years. I could win whatever the Masters is for the bowling association, too. The PBA, I'd come for them, too. Nine years training for bowling, I could win, I could win the championship. Yep. There is no There's a chance. Yeah. Here is. here is the one thing I will say. I shoot you, eight, I, I shoot about an 86, 88, 89 right now. I have the fundamentals down. That's the hardest part. 9 years works on my mental game. I work on getting in shape. At this point, I can win the Masters. I'm coming for the green jacket. I have no doubt in my mind. You can shave 17 to 20 strokes off around in 9 years. Yeah. If that's all you did. If that's all I did. If I woke up in the morning, Monday through Friday, played two rounds a day, like Mark Wahlberg does. He wakes up at 2 a.m., plays a round of golf, eats breakfast, plays another round of golf, works eats nails, out, eats lunch, plays another round of golf, and then he has time for his kids. He's in bed by 4 p.m. But I, I, I think if I did that method for nine years, I don't think people understand how long nine years is. I've only been alive for 24 years. Nine of those years just devoted to the sport of golf? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I'd be the best there ever was. I have no doubt about it. I have no doubt about it. No shtick. If there was somebody out, no shtick. If there was some, if there was a viewer here who had so much money that they didn't care what happened, and they could provide Elliot with a stipend every year, just became an independent contractor, and got paid to go play golf. All his rounds were funded, and you got your you know two week your biweekly salary on the line, and you could do that. Yeah. Would you do that? Yeah, I would. Absolutely. With the caveat being that you have to try and play in the corn. Do you realize what these guys do in the corn fairy tour? Yeah, they lose. I would win the corn fairy tour. How about that? I would go on the corn fairy tour and I would dominate. I mean, it wouldn't even be close. These guys would be begging for mercy while I took their tour card. I'd win tour cards for those guys and then burn them. You know what? That's I'm in. What I would do. I'm in. I'm in on it, Elliot. Thank you. I'm in. You're Thank doing you. it. You can do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll get Trace. Trace can do it. I bet Trace definitely thinks he can do it. Trace, Trace and I will go, we'll go win the Masters. Give us nine years. Nine years. Sean, Sean, well, Sean can do it too. I know Sean golfs. All three of us. We'll go golf. We'll, we have the fundamentals down. We go out. You give us nine years to train. We'll be the best there ever was. One, one, 100%. Yep. Sure, buddy. Casey? Whoa. Are you... You just buddied me, so wow. I Wow, he just buddied you. Why'd you just you? buddy me? He just buddied you don't nine, minutes before, hey, nine minutes before Tracy Jones. Don't buddy me, pal. <laughs> don't you buddy me, pal. What was that smirk over there? What is it? What's going on? What's so funny? Uh, you don't think I could be a professional golfer in nine years' time? I mean, the, the cow murderer doesn't believe in me. I Listen, I, if there was anybody that didn't believe in me and it was like a cow murderer, that would be okay. I, it's okay Casey doesn't believe in me. Paul believes in me, right, I Paul? believe in you. I have all the faith Good. in the world that you will be able to go out there and shave 20 strokes it's off Paul's your golf game. It's Paul's last day. He just doesn't even care what he's saying now. So I, I, I think, yeah, look, I, give me nine years. We'll do it. We'll, I'll make a video about it. I'll go out and try to train for the Masters t tomorrow, and we'll just go do it. So that's what we'll do. Fine, fine. Nobody believes in me? Fine. Justice for Blanny, that's for sure. Who said that? Is that Sir Boy? Shout out Sir Boy, that's right. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years, I'd be what, 33? Three. Oh, that's the prime. That's the prime for a golfer. That's the prime for a golfer. Oh, well, I, yeah, this is, this, is, this is easier than I thought. This is going to be easier than I thought it would be. Okay. What is a desired salary here? 50K? 60K? For just golf? Yeah. Yeah, 50k is fine. I'll, I'll be okay. They pay for my. Are they paying for my They're, golf? Your golf is funded. Oh, then yeah, 50k is great. I'll win a Masters. Yeah. You have to give a certain percentage of your purse to whoever funds you. That's fine. That's great. I'll give it to them. Masters that pulls up to like 10 million now thanks to the Saudis. So that that pool will just grow, baby. Saudis are just empty in the truck with their trillions of dollars. Would you go to Live Golf if they funded you as like a content? I had this debate with my buddies. Like, people got really upset with the live golf, everybody going to live golf and stuff like that. And if you're like Tiger Woods, if you're Phil Mickelson, you have unlimited – well, maybe not Phil. He lost all his money betting on Red's money line. But if you're, if you're a professional golfer, you've already, you've already made your money. Don't go to live. It didn't make sense. But if you were a nobody, if you were on the Corn Ferry Tour, if you were straight out of college and they offered you $1 million to go play golf for your life, for a career, you wouldn't do that? You wouldn't do it, Paul? I didn't say I wouldn't. Casey, would you do it if they offered you $1 million, knowing where the money's coming from? 
to train for nine years because it's bad. I mean, it's bad money. Don't get me wrong. The Saudis, that money's not good money. That's some bad money there. That I money mean, wasn't in good places. That was bad money. I don't. That's think, cow murdering money. Was what that is. I don't think anyone would turn that down. You nine years for a million dollars just to train and do golf for nine years, like, yeah. I think I think even just that alone, you would get the publicity from the media. You would have opportunities galore, even if you didn't make it. So yeah, I would do it. There we go. Casey. All right, we got five minutes here to Mr. 2-9, Mr. Tracy Jones. Bobblehead night coming up a week from tomorrow, I believe. Maybe a week from today. Week We're from tomorrow. The Florence Yalls. The Florence Yalls. Interesting. All right. We'll all be there. Oh, uh, well, you won't. Well, you won't. I... <laughs> you won't? Who's we all? Who's, who's, who's we? You just quit, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you just quit the team. The team is down a man. You killed us. Way to go, Paul. You're going to come to bobblehead night? No, you're not. No, you're not. Paul. There you go, Paul. Head Silly in the microphone. Paul. Put that camera on him. Look at him sit there in shame. Silly Paul. That was bad. That was what? That was bad. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was bad. I'm sorry. Natty Ron says, y'all are making me want to go back to work. Come on, Natty Ron. Do you think you could break 90? Or Sorry. Break, uh, break, 90. break 90. Break 90. I'm winning, I'm winning the Masters. So you, you got to do break, break 90? Break 70 consistently four days in a row? Easy. Easy stuff. At Augusta? Natty Ron wants to talk about sports. So let's talk about sports. Here's a take. I'm going to make a take right now. This is what, August 10th? Yeah. August 10th. The Cincinnati Bengals are winning a Super Bowl this year. They are winning a Super Bowl this year. I think the schedule is there. I think we talked about it yesterday. We went down the line. We predicted the 13-win season. Is that realistic? I don't know. But I think the schedule's there. You play the AFC South. That's a trash division. Bengals are winning a Super Bowl this year. They have the pieces. I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to go back-to-back. -back. Um, it's hard to go back-to-back. -back. It's hard to go back-to-back. -back. I, I think the NFC is not good. Is that a, is that a, is that, is, are people talking about that in the streets? The uh, streets of football lore? I don't think the NFC's good. Well, wait till Trace gets in here. You, you NFC, NFC's bet. Well, the Packers are a joke. I, it, it, Trace is a fan of the Packers. That organization is disgusting. I mean, that's just a sad, embarrassing organization. They have their fans pay for little gift card coupons, and they think they're owners. No, 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 no. Oh, and here we go. Here's the and fight. This is, what, this is Packers. This is what the Packers do on a regular day. They come in here in our town, and they fight us. Look at this. The 49ers are really good. The Eagles are really good. Outside of those two teams, who are they? Where are the competitors? The Lions? You putting faith in the Lions? I don't think so. Look at this fight. Casey is. I am. Casey did last year. Prove me wrong. I said the Lions wouldn't win four games. I think the Lions – I don't think the Lions are as good as the Eagles and the 49ers, though. I think Elliott's right. There's only really two super teams in the NFC. Dallas could be one of them no, if, not... uh, if they didn't have Dak Prescott. Ooh. But, yeah. I mean, I agree with you, Elliot. I think uh, the NFC is pretty weak, but they have two super teams, man. And those two teams could, could easily win a Super Bowl, in my opinion. 49, 49ers don't have the quarterback, though. That's my issue with the 49ers. If you don't have the quarterback, you saw it in the Super Bowl when they played the Chiefs. Jimmy Garoppolo missed a wide open. I forget, oh, I forget what receiver that was. Uh, he was streaking down the field. They had a yeah. they, they had a chance 
to win that Super Bowl against Kansas City. They did yeah. not because Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't good enough. He was a check down quarterback. He was a game manager. And it doesn't work when you have to go to the Super Bowl. So that's my issue with the 49ers. Other than that, their roster is flawless. That would, be my, that would be my one concern if I was a 49ers fan. You just don't have a quarterback. If they had Joe Burrow, if they had anybody else, if they had a top 15 quarterback, they'd be elite. So you don't believe in Brock Purdy? No, I do not. Could you imagine if the 49ers had actually signed Phillip Rivers last year for the Super Bowl and he would have come in and won a ring on one oh week's notice? Yeah, well, I... Is that do, even legal? No, I don't, I don't know if it is. Do you do that? Do you yeah, remember yeah. Phillip Rivers' his last year with the, uh, the Colts? They had to sub him out for the last Hail Mary. He couldn't throw it 40 yards any longer. <laughs> so I, I listen, I don't think Phillip Rivers is helping anybody. But shout out Phillip. I think he had his 27th kid this past offseason. Uh, yeah, so. I was just about to say, if he made it to the Super Bowl, he probably would have had a kid That's right, at would. the Super Bowl. So, I mean. You want to talk about some of them. His swimmers could beat Michael Phelps. Yeah, they could. That was a good one, Paul. Look at one. Paul. Look at Paul on his second last day at the office making good jokes. Good for you. They're all up here. Sometimes they just good don't come you. out on the air. For you. It's full gesture time. Elliot's been trying to get that out of me for a while. I have. It's over text. It's not on the There's air. There's gesture inside of Paul. You just have to dig it out of him. You have to scrape it out. You just have to get there. I think we can get there with Paul. You guys get it in the text threads. We do. Paul's texts are pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's, text, Paul's texts are pretty wild. But that's okay. Listen, he's a jester like me. Sometimes you just got to jester it up. Casey's not much of a jester because Casey needs to bring us all back down to earth. Somebody here has to keep this ship going forward. When I'm being stupid, Casey's over there, and he just has to keep me in check. So that's Casey. So what's happening? Who's keeping everybody in check on Monday? Because I feel like that's kind of my role. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess, I, guess you, Casey? I guess it falls on my shoulders now. Yep. But see, my style is just letting it unfold and let it happen, and then, you know, we'll pick up the pieces where they fall. <laughs> Tracy Jones in here yet? We're gonna have to charge him a dollar if he's not in here. No, he he is dialing in. Oh man, he beat he beat the charge by thirty seconds. He's in here. That's great. It's gonna be great to see Tracy. I hope he uh, hope he has the bobblehead ready to show us again. Got a good look at it the other day. There he is. There's Tracy Jones. Tracy Jones, Mister Two Nine. There he is. Let's get him up on the screen. Tracy. Uh, I don't know if you saw yesterday, but um, did you did you see did you see anything from yesterday's show? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I'm very disappointed in you, Polly. What did, was it? Why are you leaving? Did that girl? Did that Spanish girl with a really nice butt that was hanging all over you at the baseball game? Did she convince you to? No, leave it was the it was the Taylor Swift concert. Yeah, I hear you're going to the Buzz in Cincinnati. Where are you going, Polly? The Buzz. Uh, so I'm. I I wish I hate. You know what? To to turn off the shtick for a second and to actually you know to to say this for real because I hate doing the. I hate when I go on a Twitter and I see that somebody's leaving a job and right. they leave. It's like real vague. But I'm actually not allowed to say yet what I'm what I'm really doing because there are still some things getting ironed out. But uh, it, it'll it'll be it'll be college basketball related. So I, I can say that. Well, let me just say this. Casey and Elliot, they have to feel like they have hit the lottery because now they move up. It is a great opportunity. <laughs> Do you know what that is, Elliot? Casey, that's opportunity knocking. So great opportunity. Paul, I think you're making a horrible move. 
because I think <laughs> Chatterbox is really stepping it up. And for you to go to the buzz, I don't understand that move at all. I, I think that's going down. The buzz? Yes. Can you uh can you can you can you explain a little bit about what I'm getting myself into of whatever this buzz is? You don't know that you don't know that station? I don't know that station. WDBZ in Cincinnati. Oh, just, what do they what, what what do they broadcast? <laughs> just just listen to the station will you please. Turn it on on the commute home today, Tracy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, where's Tom? Another Great. guy. Where's he? Yeah. Uh, so so he told us uh, a couple of days ago. So Trace is going to be on tomorrow. Trace is going to host the show tomorrow and give an update okay. on Tom. All all that we were told was that Tom was going to be out indefinitely. He does have to take Luke back to school next week, so that might be playing into it. I'm not sure, but Trace said he was going to tell us more tomorrow. Okay. Because well, he was like he I was on, he was on vacation the last couple of weeks. He was originally supposed to be back Wednesday. All we were told was that he wasn't going to be back here for the foreseeable future, but he also has to take Luke to school. So we'll see. Is Elliot there by any chance? Uh, he just stepped out, but he's going to be back here in, in a couple. He just had to get something yeah, out of I, the office. I get the I get the feeling that Elliot knew that you were leaving. Okay, and the reason I say this is because Elliot sat in the diamond seats Tuesday night, didn't he? He did. See, he's he's doing that big shot stuff. He's thinking he's big time. He's getting an increase in pay. And he says, you know what? Since Paul's leaving, I'm going to treat myself to some diamond seats. Oh, that's exactly. you get that feeling? That's exactly right, Tracy. That's you, you feel like uh, you can take some liberties, right? And so now all of a sudden, he's back there. He's getting the buffet. He's getting the alcohol. He's chumming it up with the he – said, he said he walked in and somebody recognized him right away. He said, we love you on off the bench. Well, you know what's funny about that? I had uh, Richard from Indian Hill spotted Elliot. And, of course, Richard has uh, season tickets and the diamond seats. He said a couple things with Elliot. Number one, he didn't wear a collared shirt in the diamond seats and almost got asked to leave, but Richard smoothed it out. And then someone was mentioning Dungeness Crab, and Elliot thought it was an STD. <laughs> he had no idea. He was completely clueless. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Elliot. He's gonna be back here in just a second. I'm gonna ask Elliot about that. But you're right. He didn't wear a collared shirt, which I was surprised by. I thought maybe you know. I thought knowing Elliot and his shtick, I thought he might wear a tuxedo down there, Tracy. I'll be honest. <laughs> collared shirt, but Dungeness crab is something that you eat. It's not an STD, Elliot. I, Paulie, you talked to. Wait a minute. Can I just say? You said you talked to Tom a couple of nights ago. What did you guys talk about, and what did he say? Uh, so I, I just told him that I was leaving and I just, you know, obviously I wanted to tell him in person and I just said that, you know, hey, I appreciate everything you guys have. Because, I mean, hey, look, I had talked to Tom. I knew Tom even before I was here at Chatterbox going back to my time at Xavier when he was on FS1 and he would come to Cintas and broadcast the, the basketball games there. And he had helped me looking at tape and looking at things like that. So I just, hey, look, you know, I, I appreciate everything he's done for me. And my, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm still around. You're still going to run into me, I'm sure. Down in a res. Now, actually, you won't run into me because you'll be behind the plate and I'll be out in the Kroger bleachers. <laughs> so you won't run into me, but you'll, we'll be at the same games. And, you know, I, I just said, hey, look, Tom, you know, I, I appreciate everything you've done. And, and uh, I hope that uh, down the line, you know, we're running into each other again and that we can, uh, we can all reconnect. And I appreciate everything over the last year. Okay, and I, I hate to dive in this, but I, 
I used to do a lot of interviews, and I have to ask you the question, is Tom coming back? To, to, to the show? Yes. I mean, that's the plan. I haven't been told otherwise. That's the plan. Okay. Okay. That's that's the plan. Trey Trace said he would give an update tomorrow, but that's the plan. I, as far as I know, he's coming back. He's just out for you know this week and a little bit of next week. I I don't know otherwise. All right. Unless you I know. And, and, no, unless, I, I don't know. I don't want to pry too much. This is getting a little too heavy here. But um, good luck, Paul. I, I just I feel like you're making a huge mistake. Uh, Elliot is just. Elliot, this is such a... So, Elliot, so Elliot can hear you and he can talk. He just can't... Uh, can't wait, say something, Elliot. Testing. Can you hear Elliot? Could you hear yes. him right there? Okay. Yes, so he, I did. He can't, he can't see you. You can't see him, but he can hear you. Uh, he said that you almost got kicked out of the Diamond Club the other night for not wearing a collared shirt. Yeah. I, I mean, it was brutal. So I, I, I didn't come prepared. I didn't wear a collared shirt. But the issue is, Tracy... I was coming Mr. Jones. Mr. Sorry, Mr. Jo Mr. Jones. Sorry, Mr. Jones. I was coming from work, and what happened was I forgot the collared shirt, so I just had the shirt I had on. But I had khaki pants, Mr. Jones. Are you a fan of the khaki pants? Uh, that's a good look. That that's a real good look. Hey, I got to ask you when that when the usher wipes down that seat for you. You know you're supposed to tip him. Did you tip the usher for wiping down your seat, your diamond seat? Yes, we did. We. We, we tip the ushers that we tip the ushers well at the end of the game, Mr. Jones, I don't know if you know this, but all of the ushers, they stand at like a corner. It's almost like they clap for you as you leave and they just like they gather money at the end of the tunnel. That's what happens. You, you know, you are supposed to, I was at that. Uh, what's that? What's that room? I was at not the whiskey room, bourbon room, bourbon room the other night. Man, you got to tip those people. A lot of people forget that, and especially sitting in the diamond seat. Just the wiping down the seat, and then afterwards, what did you give them, Elliot, as a we, tip? We gave them a twenty. We gave them a twenty. So we gave our wait, our, our our I don't know what you a waitress. Do you call them a waitress? I don't know what usher. We gave our usher a twenty. That's good. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. A lot of people miss that. Very nice. And, and I don't know the Dungeness crab thing. Did that throw you off a little bit? The what? The Dungeness crab. Remember you shot. You thought it was an STD. Dungeness crab. That's actually a food that you ate in the diamond sea. Oh yes, remember? yeah. No, I don't remember. I but are you, Tracy, you should have seen this spread. So they had orange crusted North Atlantic cod. That's what they were serving at this. And I had a lady. I'm not kidding, Tracy. She was right next yeah. to me and my buddy Zach. She looked at us and she said, "What did you guys think of the buffet today?" And Zach and I said, "Oh, it was great. It was the best meal we've ever had." And keep in mind, it was like fresh mashed potatoes, all the all the yeah. roasted vegetables. And she looked at us and said, yeah, I didn't think it was very good tonight. I didn't think the orange crusted fish was very good tonight before this baseball game. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it, it's it's crazy how good the food is at those Reds games. Yeah. You know, the, the, I ate in that, that, uh, that room the other night. They had the best steak. They had uh, macaroni, lobster, macaroni, and cheese. They usually serve that in the Diamond Seas. Did you have that? We did not have that, but we had, like, they had, they have these, like, secret hot dogs. I've never heard, like, it was like Italian sausage they were serving as hot dogs. I guess Bobby C. and Philly C., they keep these as a secret for the Diamond people, but I, I thought it was great. I thought it was legitimately phenomenal food, but the, 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 the spread at the buffet was, was to die for. Oh, you talk about those hot, I'm really hungry. I haven't eaten all morning. <laughs> The, the, in the bourbon room, they had those same exact hot dogs. I've never had, this is no joking, 
I've never had a hot dog like that, right? You, no, right? yeah. And, it's, they're, it, and they're in water, and then they, like, broil them a little bit. Those were the best hot dogs, and I'm really going to try. I'm going to call Phil Castellini after we get off and find out where they get those hot dogs because they're they very have, good. They have to be imported from Italy. They have to be imported from somewhere in Europe because they were absolutely phenomenal. It was like I was a king eating there watching a Reds baseball game. Now, the issue was the Reds lost, which, which ruined the night, but – the, the, the whole experience was, was the best I've ever had at Great American Ballpark. I know. It's, it's very nice. It's just so different. I mean, when you sit with people that you have a lot in common with. I mean, Elliot, you're a fish out of water. Yeah. Uh, but don't, don't you agree with, with Richard from Indian Hill that it's nice, and maybe they should institute this, that you sit with people according to zip code, right? <laughs> you, you want someone... You want yeah. someone for, sit with Bellevue or Indian yeah. Hill, and you don't want to sit with someone from Norwood or East Price Hill or Terrace Park or Anderson, right? You feel I'm with you. With your people. I'm with you. I, I think that could be problematic at some points, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. If you want 45233, that's my zip code, Tracy. So that's <laughs> so you could come out. If you want to put that next time you're in Great America Ballpark, we just put them together and we sit right next to each other. Elliot, how do you feel about your opportunity now that Paul is leaving? Do you really, I mean, this really is a great opportunity for you, isn't it? It is. I'm, I'm just going to have to seize his spot. I'm just going to have to be better than he ever was, and that's okay. Uh, but we'll see where we go. Uh, Paul, and Paul had a very good talk with me after the show yesterday about it, about this very, about this very topic, actually. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what I can do. The issue is, again, Tracy, there's a lot of issues with me. Uh, one of them being that I'm full jester. I just try to make jokes. Paul's a very serious guy. You look at him right now. Let's see if I can watch this little. I'm going to put the. Cut the camera. Cut the camera. Is this, is this going to work? Oh, yeah, it worked, Tracy. Look at that. I was multitasking. Uh, but, yeah, you look at him, and he's a very serious guy. I'm a clown. I, I wear floppy red shoes and a little nose, and I'm a clown. So we'll see how I have to develop into a serious persona or if I go full jester. And, and where is Paul going again? He, he's very elusive with this question. Where in the hell are you going, Paul? That's better than Chatterbox. That, it, that's, you know, that's, that's the thing here, Tracy, is uh, I, I'm doing something. I'll put it this way. I'm doing something that doesn't exist yet. So I'm 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 creating some things that uh, I'm creating some things in college basketball that don't exist yet. Then I I really can't say more than that. And I know there's not a pay increase with this, right? Because Chatterbox really pays well. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I know. Do you have any advice for me? To I, you know, in all honesty, Tracy, I I I was in here t talking to these guys before because in every job that I've had. You know, up to this point at Chatterbox, like I feel like I'm I'm leaving my brothers here. And I, you know, when I worked in baseball, I, I was a broadcaster for Florence for a year. Uh, but I worked two years. I, I was here in Hamilton. That was where I started my my broadcast career in 2016. I went from Hamilton in that summer league. Then I went back home to Virginia. I did a summer league uh, in the Cal Ripken League in 2017. Then I was with Florence in in 18. Then I wasn't in baseball in 19. Then COVID happened. Then I was in Double A in 21. But every, every year, it's like a natural progression of you work the season, the season ends, and then that's it. You know, in 21, I, I could have come back full-time full with the Orioles, but I just knew that I wanted to be around here in Cincinnati more than I wanted to be out there in, in that area. So I've never really had something like this where I've been here for a year, established friendships with these guys, with 
you and, and everybody else, and now I'm leaving. It's a, it's a very, uh, you know, when, when you got traded between your five major league teams, how was that? <laughs> it was just miserable. I got on a plane, flew across, town, across country, was in the lineup. I was extremely tired. I was... I felt like I'd just been dumped for like a like old girlfriend, you know what I mean? You just get rid of you, but then you start over, you know, and that's what you're going to be doing. And I know what you're doing. See, I wanted you to come clean, but you're not going to, are you? Are you? It's a competing podcast. That's what you're, you want to go head to head with off the bench with Tom Brenneman. Is that what you're doing? That's a, that's a, that was that was a good try there, Casey or uh, Tracy. That was a good try. It was a good try, but no, I'm not. Okay, how about this? Okay, let's let's think about this for just a second. Why don't you come in tomorrow and say you've changed your mind that you're staying with Chatterbox? <laughs> what about doing something like that? Wouldn't that be nice, Tracy? How much are you gonna miss me? That's the real question. I am. I. You know what? I actually really like you boys. Where's Casey? Is Casey here? Is Casey? Casey's right here. He Casey's doing? right here. I'm here. Is Casey set? Are you sad that Paul's leaving? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm actually really upset about it. I can't believe oh. it. He's been my right hand man he's... for so long. I know. I know. Casey, are you listening? Yes. You know what that is? What's that? Opportunity knocking. Calls out, you just move up. You move up the ladder, buddy. You've hit the lottery. Tracy, Didn't think about it like that. Tracy, how do you think Paul sleeps at night knowing he just tore an entire family apart, us being chatterbox? How do you think he sleeps at night? Do you think he sleeps well? I don't know how he, he sleeps. I don't know who he's sleeping with. Is he sleeping with his fiance or that, that hot Spanish girl with a nice butt? Which one? Tracy. You know, he's... Uh, it is sad, though, isn't it, boys? I mean, you build up a friendship. It's kind of like being on a team, right? We have this little team. We're starting something. You know, we're trying to make things happen. And then all of a sudden, a key player leaves. And it's just it's just going to be different. You know, you know, Tracy, I think we might have talked about this with you. But Paul is a glue guy for Chatterbox. He really is. He's one of the guys that you could just know that was going to keep us all together. Well, you guys are giving me a lot of credit here. You guys are giving me a lot of credit, and uh, I, I feel like I, I did a good job here. And I, Tracy, honest to God, Tracy, I loved. I look forward to these Tuesdays and Thursdays. Once I figured out, uh, once I figured out your character and knew how to knew how to operate these Tuesdays and Thursdays, there was nothing more I look forward to than Tuesday and Thursday at eleven thirty, getting to go back and forth. And you know what? To be completely honest with you, Tracy, not that I haven't been yeah. to this point, yeah. but to be completely honest. The passing of the torch from Casey's wedding to now my wedding next June and not being able to go through that whole cycle again with you, uh, I am I am sad I'm going to miss that because that was a lot of fun and I'm going to hold on to that with, with all the fun that we had with, with all that over the last year because that was great. We've had so much fun. You know, it was it started off, you know, you guys have no idea what I do, right? Elliot, I don't think, was a real big fan. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's just the relationship has built, and it, and it just—it's it, a nice relationship. I feel like I'm your older brother, if I can say, you know, something like that. And just the whole—you know—doing stuff when I was on vacation, I think, was was neat. Um, I, I'm gonna miss you. I really am. But you're a young guy. You gotta 
you got to go out and do what you got to do. I mean, I just think it's kind of backstabbing everyone. You doing your own podcast and then go head to head against Tom. I think it's a little too much. Casey has something he want. Well, Casey, what do you want me to ask him? I want to. I want you to ask him about your wedding because you're not going to get all this advice. Oh, you're right. Is there anything in two minutes or less, Tracy, that you can give me? So my wedding, just just to just to be clear here, we did set it. So we're we're doing a live band for my wedding, which is already booked. Okay. Uh, the wedding the wedding is on the farm. It's on. We're doing the oh, we're doing neat. the we're doing the farm, very which cool. I th- which I think yeah. will be very cool because her her uh, her family's property is unbelievable. It's re- it's really cool, built into a hillside and. Uh, and I, I think it'll be really cool out there, especially in the summer. Um, but do you have any advice? Because here's the thing I will say. I stressed so much before the engagement about the weather because I didn't have a plan B for something indoors. And I was afraid that it was going to rain and it was supposed to pour down rain. And now all of a sudden, I, I swore I would never do an outside wedding because I didn't want to stress for a year about the weather. And now look at me. I'm doing an outdoor wedding stressing about the weather. Do you have any other advice for me before I... Before I uh, Sign off here. Do you have any well any advice? Just one piece of advice. I'd get a prenuptial agreement because you're going to be a star. When your podcast takes off and you're better than Joe, bigger than Joe Rogan, then you know you're going to have a lot of money, and we don't want your wife to divorce you. Here's the one piece of advice: never go to bed mad. That's my one piece of advice that my dad gave me. Uh, Didn't work in my first marriage, but it's working in my second marriage. Uh, don't go to bed mad because I was one of those guys. If I went to bed mad at night, then I just carried it over to the next day. And then it just carried over the next day. Do not fight. A lot of laughter, a lot of sex, all that stuff. Just just be happy. That's be right. Happy. The wool. The wool, Casey, or, uh, Tracy. The wool. How about that? Uh, you got to pull some wool even when you're, uh, <laughs> even when you're married. Uh, so is this uh, your last show? No, well, no, I'll be here tomorrow, but Trace is going to be sitting up here tomorrow because we have a lot of things that we're talking about with uh, with the Bengals, the Bearcats. So th- there's a there's a lot of really good stuff that we've been working hard on through the summer with getting new talent and new people and new shows and new things that we're going to build around. Because I mean, look what what Trace and Nick are doing with Chatterbox Reds has taken off and has been one of the most popular baseball shows in the country. And uh, you know, the success of the Reds has had a lot to do with that and how talented they are. So we're trying to to bring that talent and and to get some more talent into uh, you know the Bengals you see um, and and potentially some more other areas here around uh, around Cincinnati. So Trace is gonna I don't know if he's gonna talk about all that tomorrow, but he's gonna give an update on Tom and go through this. Reed will be back tomorrow. So Reed Reed is back in the United States from his cruise. He's not here in Hamilton. He's he's still coming up um, from down in Florida, but he is back here in the United States. He went on his cruise and he said he texted us last night. Uh, we were asking him how it all went, and he said he's a cruise guy now. Uh, a carnival cruise? That's, <laughs> I don't think that. That's what I asked. I told you guys I've been on one carnival cruise. It was miserable. I don't like to vacation with a bunch of brats, you know, a bunch of kids. I don't, I don't like that. I like yeah. adults. Well, he said he said he understood the. He, he said he understood where people were coming from, and that he might try what are the uh, what's the other one the the Norwegian. Is that the one people yes. really like? Norwegian? Yeah. He said you that's might cool. want to try one of those. Well, uh, I'm glad that's a long vacation for Reed, isn't it? Yeah, he, he well he was he, he, le- he left last Friday and he'll be back. It, we didn't think he'd be back in the show tomorrow, but uh he'll be back in the show tomorrow. So uh yeah, he's been gone about a week. 
Got about a week. And Elliot, Elliot will be gone tomorrow too. So it'll be me, Trace, Casey, and Reed. The in, originals. In it'll the, be the, the OGs the of OGs. the show. The OGs. the OGs of the show. Yep. Yeah, well, Paul, if I don't see you again, good luck, buddy. And, and stay in touch. Tell me how you're doing. If you need any advice, you can come to your big brother. I'll, Here's I'll point you in the right direction. I'm not moving. I'm still here in Cincinnati. I'll be around. And remember the one piece of advice. Don't go to bed mad, okay? Stay up and fight that and finish it right there. That's right. That's right, Tracy. I, Tracy, seriously, I want to say thanks to you because it has been a remarkably fun year, and, and I love the humor and everything else on the show and, and everything for the, for the segments twice a week, and I appreciate you including Casey and I in, that, in, in the segments because it's been a lot of fun. You guys are a huge part of the show. Huge part of the show. You guys did Thank you, really Tracy. Nice. Thank you. All right. You guys take right. it easy. All right. See you, Tracy. See you, See you. See you boys. See you. Well, how about that? How about that? How about that? That's good advice for you on the Diamond Club and how to go through all that. Yeah, it is. Shout out Tracy Jones. Do you think you'll be back in the Diamond Club anytime soon? <laughs> no, 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 I do not. I think that was probably my last time. No, come on. When am I going to go back to the Diamond Club? I'm not going to pay $150 to watch the Reds blow another lead to the Marlins. So I, I, the Reds have to be a legitimately good World Series contender for me to purchase $200 tickets in the Diamond Club. Brother, you'll find your way into tickets there. All right. You'll, you, you will meet somebody. You'll find your – working here, a sponsor, somebody, you will find your way into the Diamond Club. Now, I never have. I've been offered, but I've never been able to go. That's a humble brag. You've been offered? How Twi many, how twice. Many, twice? Twice. Congratulations, Paul. But I have not been able to go, and it's torn me Casey, apart. Casey, have you been offered Diamond Club seats? No, I have not. Yeah, I'd imagine not. Paul's dear Paul, he got offered it twice. That's more than once. You know how many no hitters I've been to? Twice, two. Two. I've been to no hitter twice. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Hey, did you ever congratulate me on my engagement? Uh yeah, congratulations on your engagement. But I by the way Yeah, congrats, Paul. Paul hey, thanks. I think Paul leaving was just an excuse not to invite me to the wedding. I think that's what's oh. going on here. I think that I think he just saved an eighty dollar plate. I think that's what happened here. Is it not, Paul? True or false? True or false, uh, Paul? The smirk. The smirk is all that you need to know. True or false? It's true. I just, why, I you remember I what I texted you the other night? You remember what I texted you the other night? And you said, I can't tell if the Paul that we get in over text and the humor there or if, yeah. or if the professionalism that's on the air, which one is the true Paul? Yeah. Sometimes you just got to keep the people guessing. Okay. All right. Sometimes you just... You got to keep the people on their toes. Your wedding's in a farm, is that correct? Yes. So I will be able to crash it. That's there is. I mean, this would be the easiest wedding crash of all time. Look, I'm not putting that out publicly, but no. If I was to answer that question, the answer would be yes. Okay, so chat. So what's going to happen is I'm going to have to find this farm. I don't know where the location is. Paul hasn't told me he wanted to save an $80 plate, but the issue is I, I'm going to have to find it. We're all going to go and we're going to crash it together. We're just going to ruin Paul's wedding. That's what's going to happen. We're just, we're just <laughs> going to go over it. There's going to be live music that I'm booking just for you and Reed to do the flop. What kind of music? The band from the Step Brothers? The band? You know what I'm talking about? The yes, band. I know the band from <laughs> the Step Brothers. That band is great. Our, band's, band is great. Uh, our band is playing it because uh, we've heard them. Uh, they're playing down at uh, they're playing at Oktoberfest. Are you going to Oktoberfest? Are you no. going to Oktoberfest? No, I don't drink, so oh. Oktoberfest wouldn't be great for me. I'm, mm. sure, I'm sure it's a fun time. I'm sure it's a fun time. Maybe I can go. That just made me feel bad. Why? Why? Because I don't drink? Well, I just, the way you said that, I just. 
Well, it's not like it's not like I don't drink because I'm an alcoholic. Not that you know, it's just like I don't drink. Okay, that's fine. I, I just don't drink. I respect that. All Good right. for you, honestly. Thank you. Good for you. Thank you. White Claws Nooners? Yeah, I like those. Okay. I, I, I was asking, I didn't know if it was like you don't drink beer, you rather, or you just don't like alcohol. Like, I'll drink it. I just don't like to drink it. Got it. Like, okay. if you ask, like, if it's a bachelor party and the guy's like, yeah, I'm getting married. Why don't you have a drink? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll have a drink. Okay. But I'm not going to go out of my way to drink. Got it. Okay. Okay. Good for you, Elliot. Thanks, Paul. Will Good you take you. a tequila shot with me? You know what? I'm not. This is my last five minutes with Paul Frischner. I can't even pronounce that name. Frischner. I'm not even Frischner in your phone. Frischner. Yeah, Paul is Polly Fishsticks because I couldn't pronounce his name, so he's Polly Fishsticks on my phone. So this is the last five minutes I'll ever see Paul because let's be real, Paul's not never going to text me again. That's just the end of this relationship. He made me cry on the show yesterday. He'll just never speak to me. Not invited to the wedding. But we'll see. I mean, I guess this is just brutal. A brutal end to a friendship, Paul. A brutal end. I love you. I love you. But this is just going to be a brutal end, Paul. I mean, this is just, you're just ripping the Band-Aid off. Band-Aid's getting thrown away. And I just get kicked to the curb. But I hope you're, I hope you're new friends. I hope you meet somebody like me. I hope you do. I hope they, I hope, I hope somebody brings out the jester in you. I hope so too. Because there's a jester in there. Deep down. Deep down. Can we do the 100 yard dash again? Let's pull it up there. But instead of restaurants, let's just do names. Let's do let's let's just do chat rankings. This will be chat this will be we'll have chat rankings tomorrow. Paul can do chat rankings tomorrow. His very last time. But let's just put 12 names in the chat in there right now. We'll oh, see I don't names. know if I can rank the chat on well, my you're gonna last day. You're going to have to, buddy. You're going to have to. Oh, he just buddied me 2 minutes before the show ends. All right, so let's do let's do a 12 here. Let's do a 12 here, Casey. Let's start with PB's ghost. Oh, oh, hang oh, on. My bad. Oh. Let's do Everett. Oh, man. How do I rank the chat on my last day? These are they, these are my friends. Yeah, but you're leaving us, so you don't, you lose that right. Sir Boy, <laughs> Sir Boy Wonder. Sir Boy Wonder. All right, I'll do the rankings tomorrow. I want Mouse Cop in there. Uh, let's just go here. Mr. Moe. Mr. Moe. Put Swaggy Plague. Swaggy's brought Swaggy's kind of brought some swagger back. Everett, we got to play golf soon. Just be, I, just I because get, I'm li just because I'm li we should get it. You, yeah, me, Everett. Yeah. CJ had wanted to play golf. Sir Boy wanted to be caddy, so we can get that to go. All right, let's do get that. that together. Let's do that. Spirit Cat. Is PB on there? Yep. Okay. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't read. Evan Maurer. 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 Is Maurer, Evan in the chat? Evan he hasn't Maurer. been in in a while. He's in there. He's in there. Nick Mormon is in here. Nick, put Nick Mormon on there. Yeah, Nick's been a very active member today. Throw uh, is AJ is AJ in here? Steve Cashman. We'll put AJ worse and uh, and Natty Ron. Oh yeah, Natty Ron, obviously. Oh man, obviously. this is this is gonna be a hard man. Who else is in here? Anybody else? Drew? Do we? We'll put Drew Garrison in there. Can we add more? Is this it? I mean, you could uh, add more. If you could have added more if you want. No, it's okay. I think this is good. This, this is, is good. good for this right is now. our list. This is our list. This is, by the way, this is just who I just saw in the chat. So this is how we did this. All right, let's go. This is for chatter of the day. Best chatter of the day. You do not win a monetary prize, but you get my respect. Oh, Brian B is not on here. Oh, Brian and Mark are not. I didn't put Mark on. This is brutal. 
This is brutal. This is <laughs> this is an unjust list. <laughs> Drew, All right, but we'll see who wins. Casey, Casey, Drew says that you just butchered his last name. Oof. Oh no. Why didn't you just put Drew G? <laughs> who do we got down here? Who's out? Swaggy. Swaggy's got a nice lead. Brian and Mark, that's my bad. Hand up. Hand up, Brian and Mark. That's on me. I just did, I literally looked at the chat like the past like five minutes, and that's who I put on this list. All right. Uh, Swaggy. Swaggy's out to a decent lead here. At the top, it's PB's Ghost in second. At the bottom, it's AJ in third. Surfboy in dead last. Here comes Mr. Moe. Surfboy's got to pick up the pace. Surfboy and Everett Henry. And last and next to last. Oh, man. Swaggy's just cruising to victory here today. Cruising to victory. Swaggy Mr. by Moe's a mile. Uh-oh, Mr. Moe, a caller. Mr. Moe and Swaggy right down to the end. Mr. Moe, Swaggy, Swaggy at the goal line. He can't get over the goal line. Swaggy, and he wins. Congratulations, Swaggy. Wow. Wow. What a race. We should have done that more. Look at Evan in dead last. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Evan. Sorry, Evan. All right, so we got to see who comes oh, in last. Evan, 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 Delay push for Evan, Evan, Spirit Cat, Spirit Run, Cat, Spirit no, Cat. Run, Spirit Cat, pick up the pace. Come on, Spirit Cat. Oh, I agree, Spirit Swaggy. Cat. Nine years and oh. you could win Olympic gold. Mr. Mo, last minute disappointment story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, Spirit Cat, what a horrible finish. It's twelve oh one, Elliot. I'm signing off for the final time with you. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not going to cry again today. So that was it yesterday. You got my tears yesterday. You're not going to get them today. Yeah, it's okay. Paul, it, it was awesome getting to know you. Um, you've helped me personally and professionally. You're going to be very good at whatever you do. You're very good. You're a very good broadcaster. You're a very good friend. You're a very good producer. You're a very good uh, radio host. So you're very good at a lot of things. Um, I wish you well, Paul. One thing that I have always towed the line on in my career that has been sometimes tough for me is when I go down the line of sitting up here in this broadcast chair or whether I'm doing play-by-play -play and you try to be as professional as you can. Yeah. But you try to have humor and you try to laugh and you try to have a good time. But sometimes I realize that uh, the professionalism, you get off the air and sometimes that carries over and you're always trying to be as buttoned up as possible. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just got to let your hair down and have a laugh. And the last four months, uh, that has been what Elliot has brought to the table. And will continue to bring to the table long after I have uh, left here. And I appreciate that, Elliot. You have brought the gesture out of me that has been buried deep inside, and it's come out a little bit on the air, and I wish it could have come out a little bit more on the air if we had had more time together, but so it goes, and I but, appreciate that. But you that. chose to leave, and you chose to quit because, <laughs> because you quit. You're a quitter. Paul's a quitter. Paul's a quitter, and he quit. So, Paul, congratulations. <laughs> May you quit in the future. May you have a, a, a long and prosperous quit. Good for you, guy. All right. Paul, sign it off. <laughs> Look at this transition. All right. I'll be over there with Casey tomorrow. I didn't, I didn't do any goodbyes to Casey because we got that tomorrow. We'll be, so. Tomorrow, will be, again, will be hosted by Trace. That'll be our yes. boss. He is not a quitter. As long He will be along with Reed and Casey. <laughs> again, all these three guys, they have similarities. The biggest one being they didn't quit. So right now, these guys will come in tomorrow. They'll be strong. They'll be together. They'll be united. Uh, and Paul will be quitting. So Paul quit. All right.
I appreciated Tracy trying to get out of me that I was yeah. leaving for a directly competing <laughs> show. What good. I am doing in no way directly competes with a morning talk show. I will say that. No, in no way competes with what we do here at, at uh, 10A to 12P. Um, okay. Thank you to each and every one of you that watched. I appreciate you because I know Trace will be sitting up here. Uh, so I'll be over there uh, tomorrow. I appreciate all of you over the last two weeks that have tuned in. I mean, we had close to 150 people for most of the day today. Uh, so I appreciate all of you that stuck with us for the last couple of weeks and have been here. Trace is, I mean, Trace is a great host. So he'll, he'll, do, he'll be up here tomorrow. And uh, for giving me the opportunity to be up here and do interviews and have some fun and facilitate the conversation and everything else. So thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Off the Bench. We'll see you tomorrow on Friday at 10 a.m.